Hey, this is Phil Nobile Jr. from Fangoria Magazine. You're listening to Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. Happy New Year! It's 2019, and welcome to Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. We have a bi-weekly show that's released every other Friday, and this is episode 165. In my opinion, the best episode of the year, and it is our top 10 horror movies of 2018. And this episode is brought to you by our sponsors, Bright Rags, Tee Public, and the patrons of Movie Podcast Network. If this is your first time listening to this show, Horror Movie Podcast brings you in-depth horror movie reviews, especially for new releases with ratings and recommendations to help you decide whether you should buy, rent, or avoid these movies. But as we said, this time we're bringing you the very best of the best from 2018. And I'm your host, Jay of the Dead, podcasting from Salt Lake City. And my co-hosts tonight are... Dave, Dr. Shock Factor from just outside Philadelphia, PA. Wolfman Josh and Jay... Who are we if we can't protect them? Oh, protect them. yes. That's it. Right there is one of my favorite quotes in a horror film all year. So well done. That one rattled my cage right there, Wolfman. Dr. Shock, going to turn it over to you real quick because um, I think a shout out is due to our good friend. Yeah, um, it was back in uh, under the episode, uh, well, right at the end of October, our review of Halloween 2018, that Dark Mark, a uh, longtime listener, made a post. He put a link in there to a letterboxed list uh, done by Jody uh, Branham, uh, Jody Horror Guy on Twitter, of every 2018 horror movie. <laughs> and I saw that, and, you know, having not been part of this for a long time. I mean, I did have, I was last year, but I really, really, now that the challenge was over, I wanted to get, I really wanted to like go all out this year and just really sort of delve into the 2018 horror movies. So I took one morning, I took like about three hours before I went to work and I just started to put that from Jody's list, put a list together of things. Okay. This one's available here. This one's on Amazon. This one's on Netflix. And just put together, I, I really wanted to see as many horror movies of 2018 as I could. Um, and I ended up I ended up hitting the mark. I ended up doing what I wanted to. I wanted to see triple digits and I ended up seeing 106. <laughs> and nice. I, owe, I owe that to Jody's list. Because if, if Jody hadn't put this list together, it would have been much more difficult to sort of seek these out. So I owe him a, a big debt of gratitude. And I definitely wanted to give a shout out. Um and I think he had done this last year. I know somebody had put a list together last year, and I think it might have been Jody. Uh, so, Jody, thank you very much for doing that. It, it was invaluable to me. It really was. And it just made this whole thing um, uh, go a lot more, uh, go a lot smoother for me. And I got to see some movies. Thanks to you, there are movies that I otherwise might not have seen that ended up making my list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, somebody send me the link to that, and I'll put it in the show notes for the listeners in case everybody else wants to check out Jody's list. 
in this episode, so obviously we've got a bunch of different lists that we're going to bring you, but also we have a number of um, prize giveaways. We teased that if you submitted your list, your top 10 horror movies list, which we had 69 of those, by the way, 69 entrants of people who submitted their lists, then you would be eligible to win a $50 Amazon gift card. So we're going to be drawing for that. And then we have um, some other exciting stuff. You want to tell them what you have, Josh, coming up? One of our sponsors for this episode, T Public, gave us kind of a cool horror t-shirt. It's um, horror icons as the Scooby-Doo gang. So uh, we're going to give that away to the listener whose list most closely hues to the collective listener list. So think of this as kind of a horror bingo game. You can follow along as we read the top 10. Every time we get to the listener top 10, if you think your list is closest to that list, send us an email or a tweet and we will go back and cross check your list. Unfortunately, just due to the way Jay tallied them, it would be a a big pain for us to go back and figure that out ourselves. So this rewards those, I guess, who are paying closer attention. And uh, yeah, just let us know if you think, oh, my list is almost exactly the same as the listener top 10 list. If you think you're the closest and you may be right, you'll get this free horror t-shirt from TeePublic. Mm-hmm. Nice. And then we also have uh, Dave's next part of his uh, DVD giveaway as well coming up. So I hope people stick around with us. But uh, right now, let's just get this underway. And usually when we do a top 10 episode, we always say out the out front, of course, we haven't seen every horror movie that was released in 2018. It sounds like Dr. Shock gave it a really good... <laughs> really good effort. I I saw a lot this year. I saw more than usual this year for me. I I honestly don't have the number. And I know Josh has been watching movies like crazy too, huh, Josh? Yeah, I don't think I don't think there's a movie that I've heard good things about that I haven't seen. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I think I've seen everything of note that's a horror movie this year. Right. Right. Awesome. And we were uh texting a little bit earlier this evening about our struggles of putting together our lists and the honorable mentions and and how big our lists could truly be. But so anyway, I always feel like it's necessary to say though, and and maybe it isn't, maybe it isn't, but the nature of top 10 lists are are weird. Like this is fascinating to me and this is probably not fascinating to anybody else. So, you know, if if this is terrible, I'll cut it out. But I just want to say like, it's weird because Yes, you don't see every movie, but you have to judge upon those that you've seen. And it's weird because people will put together their list based on different sorts of criteria. It might be like um, the scariest horror movies of the year or the most fun or, you know, the most disturbing or most memorable. I mean, so we'll probably get into that a little bit. But um, for those who are unaware, what we do is we take the listeners collective list so those 69 people that sent in their their picks, we have them weighted with points, you know, depending on where it, it lies in your rank. So their number one movie got the most points, obviously. And so I have a system where I tallied that all together. And so we have a collective horror movie podcast listenership list. And guys, I don't know about you, but that's always my favorite list. I'm always most interested in seeing what the listenership comes up with. What do you guys think? For me, I'm most interested in all three. I'm I'm interested in yours, Josh's, and the and the listeners. 
Well, you know, I mean, nice. I've been living with mine for, well, actually, I'm living for with mine for not so long. As I mentioned earlier, uh, a week ago, my list, my top 10 was very different than than it is yeah. right now. Um, but I'm always interested to hear everybody's list and especially the listeners. Yes. I, I mean, I, I'd like I love to hear what uh, uh, what they come up with just collectively. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's cool. What about you, Josh? What do you think? I'm not a list fan, actually. And so. <laughs> I, but, but oddly, because of that, I take this super seriously because I kind of, I'm kind of against it in, in concept. I want to do my very best in making the list. And mm-hmm. so I, I probably take it more seriously than a lot of people do <laughs> for that reason. Well, that right there is one of my favorite things about you, literally. Like, I know that about you. And and I always appreciate that um, William Rowan Jr. Kill Bill Kill is kind of the same way. He doesn't he doesn't feel comfortable putting together lists because it is arbitrary. And like, how are you? How does one rank them against one? You know each other, and yeah, yeah and especially right. since you haven't seen everything in 2018, it's kind of ridiculous. But I don't care. I love it. It's my favorite thing. I live for this. This is I enjoy, and mm-hmm. I enjoy it too. And, and as I, I was mentioning to Josh, all you know, before we started recording here. Um, for me, I just sort of, I think about these movies and, and when I'm, when it comes to ranking them, I just sort of weigh them like against each other and the experience of watching them. So I could have a movie that somewhere, you know, during the, uh, during the past year, maybe I have a movie that I gave a 9.5 that is actually behind a movie that I gave a nine, uh, you know, on the list. That's just because I'm I'm sort of thinking about it. And I'm thinking, okay, well, what was the experience? So, and as a matter of fact, I know that to be a case. I know that, that there's one movie ahead of a another movie that I might have ranked higher. Um, a, that's my reaction to, I guess, the number rankings. I don't get as heavy. I don't know that I I don't know that I'm as as serious about those as other people are. The ratings, uh, but, you mean, right? The ratings. Yeah, I'm sorry. The ratings, like the, the number ratings. I'm not as mm-hmm. as serious about those as some other people are. But it's also just the experience. You know, that at, at, at the time, a movie I might have given a uh, an 8.5 to. I'm thinking of it now, and I'm thinking, wow, I should have probably ranked that higher. But so, yeah, that that's that, mine. I just sort of weigh them against each other and just the experience at the time of watching the movie and what it, what it meant, you know? Totally for me agree. with list making, there's also this additional element of walking this tightrope of what I think are objectively the highest quality movies and also what are my favorite movies. Yes. I'm always kind of weighing <laughs> those things against each other. So yes. I may have ranked or rated a film rather very highly, but it might come in really low on my list because I didn't actually enjoy myself watching it that much which is a weird thing to say maybe same i I don't want to give a spoiler but i will say hereditary is a film that i struggled with a lot during this ranking because i think it is one of the most finely made films of the year but i really loathed the experience so much so that (laughs) which is rare for me because i'm not as dvd crazy as dave but I typically buy all my favorite films of the year on Blu-ray and I went to the store the day that hereditary came out and I looked at it and I looked at it some more and I decided not to get it. And I left because I thought, I don't know that I want to watch that again, honestly, like (laughs) that's really disturbing. And so 
that's super weird for me. Like that was a turning point of my life that moment. <laughs> but, right. Um, but I, th- I saw that as I guess that idea reflected in my list this year more so than usual, because usually there is that, that tightrope walking. There is that balance of favorite versus best. And I think even the last two years in a row, I haven't gone back to look, but I think it was the last two years the film that I thought was the objectively best film of the year, I had it number two. And my number one film was the one that just was so personally impactful to me that I put it at number one. Mm-hmm. And so that's changed this year because this year there, the, on one hand, there were far more quality horror films than I've seen in a very long time. I was telling uh, Dave before we started the show my largest collected list that I was making on Letterboxd for myself to reference um, included television series like The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina and The Haunting of Hill House. Um, and it included a lot of thrillers that might end up on our horror PSAs. But that list still was 53 films long <laughs> of the movies that I thought were worthwhile horror entries this year. Nice. And that's. Wow crazy and just to compare that i went back to 1996 which uh was the year that scream came out which is for all intents and purposes my favorite horror movie that's come out in the last 20 plus years since that happened 22 years i guess which is insane to think about (laughs) um i looking over the horror releases that year there weren't even 10 horror movies that came out that year that i liked like there were like seven movies that i thought were watchable and probably a few of them would not have made like a top 10 list Yeah, in my overall list. So it's insane to think that in that time we've seen this renaissance of the horror genre to the point where I, I can comfortably say my top 30 are all solid top 10 worthy horror films. My top 40, I'd even go out on a limb and say that's true. And I would say my top 50 are all decent seven or above type of horror movies. So yeah. that's wow. mind blowing to me. It, yeah. it really is. And one of the things that I noticed as I was, as I was, you know, watching all of these films, you know, one of the, th- uh, one of the things I prepared myself for was, okay, there's going to be a lot of stinkers here. And there were, but not, <laughs> I mean, not as many as I was expecting. I got more pleasant surprises than I did like really just flat out bad horror movies. Right. And that was, that was, Awesome. And that's what kept me going. That's what kept me wanting to, you know, to, to do this and to see as many as I could was that more and more of them were, I was like, wow, you know what? That was, that was pretty good. If, if I were to talk about that all, you know, during the, during the show, I would give that a rental. I would say definitely for a movie people should check out and a lot more of those than I was anticipating. I was anticipating seeing, you know, uh, especially when you get into like the really low budget stuff just a lot of, you know, sort of subpar films. That was not the case. Mm -hmm. Well, and we, we've been talking about this the last few years. In fact, most of the horror community has how it just seems like we're in a golden age. And I think we all kind of agreed on that. And I think we've also discussed how this may very well be as a result of how much um, unrest and suffering and discontent that there is in the world. I mean, there, there's so much, yeah. Awfulness going around. I think it's 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 definitely that. And I think it's also the fact that we now have all of this online content 
that is like immediately available that that's true you know it it's just it just keeps getting better and better um uh, i also think it's due to the the strength of independent film in the climate we're in i think because of television and indie film being as strong as it's been in the last decade we've seen a lot of a-list actors and a-list directors being willing to go and work in independent film and work in television and out of that we've seen some really high quality genre films bubble to the top. And also we see, I think there's just, you know, we saw that thing for a couple of years where every film had John Carpenter inspired fonts and scores. You remember that was like a thing for a couple of years. (laughs) And I just think it's, it it is the kids who grew up on eighties movies are now the directors. And so I, I do think we're just seeing a shift in, you know, the kids who grew up on art house seventies films. Mm-hmm. But the Quentin Tarantino's of the world, as opposed to the people who grew up on, you know, Friday the Thirteenth, and right. so I think I think you're just seeing a, a slight shift in um, what is interesting to filmmakers right now, and I think we're getting a lot of high quality actors and directors working in the genre that we hadn't had before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. And and the last thing I'll just throw out there in case people are wondering. Um, last year, I took some heat from the listeners because uh, we do the same thing over on Movie Podcast Weekly, but it's all genres. You know, we review the new films in theaters over there. And so I actually omitted last year, I omitted all horror films from that list and people um, gave me some flack on that. So in case there are crossover listeners, and I know there are, um, <laughs> what I've done is in that movie podcast weekly list, I actually included a couple of horror films that I felt were, um, I, I guess, accessible to the mainstream audience because a lot of those listeners over there are not horror fans per se. And I kept the hardcore stuff for this list because I didn't want to spoil this list. And Josh actually sent his list in if anybody wants to hear that episode. And his is a non horror list over there on movie podcast weekly. So just wanted to throw that out there in case people are like saying, Hey Jay, wait a second. Why is this? Why was that film at number seven over there? And it's blah, blah, blah. So that's why. So, so there you have it. Anyways, <laughs> um, should I, guys, I feel like the people that, and, and tell me, I mean, I could do this quickly, but I, I do like to give shout outs to those who, who wrote in. Should we, can we shout out their names real fast? Are people going to hate that? I mean, I guess they could I, skip forward the 15-second button if they didn't yeah, want to hear this. No, I got no problem with that. <laughs> okay, here they are. So these are the people who submitted their list from our listenership. Adam Master, Alex T., Amanda W. from Austin, Andred, Anthony P., Anthony R. from... <laughs> Anthony R. the Beijing Beast, B.A. Harrison, Bill, just east of Toronto, Brian Bashi, um... Sifachi, <laughs> Chris Dewey, Chrissy Black, Coleman from Texas, Colin from Scotland, Creepy Carrie, Dan, Dark Mark, Dark Passenger from Iowa, David Fear, Dino, <laughs> Donnie Darko from Belmar, New Jersey, Edward McKenzie, Frank Tweets, Frank the Fiend, Greg the Gray Man, Graham the Haunted Marshmallow, Grave Robert, Green Zombie Dog, Horror Guy Bry. Inbred Coop, Jason Dragon, Jake Parker, Jason T. Strong, Jason Taylor, UK, 
Jody Horror Guy, Joe McGregor, Joe W. in Salt Lake City, Jonathan Watkins, Jordan Allen, Juan in Texas, Kane Hero, Luke from Dead Last Podcast, Maynard Marty and uh, Marcus Brown, Matt Dunshee in Melbourne, Maurice Jones in Buffalo, New York, Michelle from Brody Ferry, Scotland, Mixed Choice from Australia, Oliver Ox, Ollie Rath from France, Pastor Matt, Red Cap Jack, Rob from Belgium, <laughs> Rorgasm, <laughs> Sal Roma, Sam from Snowminton, Sarah Scarebear from Oz, uh, Shane the Maniac Cop, Sean of the Evil Dead from Derby, UK, Sean Taylor, Silent Mike, Deadly Mike. <laughs> I love that name. <laughs> That's a good one. Stray, the Mad Cetologist, the Scientist, Trevor R., Trey Whetstone, Vicious, Vic- Vicious Victor, Weird Weldon. I love that one because it reminds me of a garbage pail kid name. We- Weird Weldon. I love that. Uh, Wilhelm Scream. Great. So that that's what do you guys think of that crew? I apologize if I mispronounced anybody's name. We have a very creative uh, bunch just in the names. I can't wait to see what the list they came up with are. I know. It's so exciting. Yeah, it's fun to see in that relatively small number, a pretty wide distribution across the globe of listenership. So that's pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And thank you all for sending it in. I really appreciated getting your list. And thanks for following my asinine rules. I know it was a pain, but it really helped me to save a lot of time putting it together. It, I also wanted to tell people, I saw a lot of people on Twitter say, well, I, don't, I didn't see enough movies. I don't know. I think it's okay, Jay. And correct me if I'm wrong. If you only saw, you know, say 15 horror films and you didn't know that all of, didn't think all of them were list worthy, but you thought, oh, my top three would definitely be this. Mm-hmm. It's okay to just send in your top three yes. horror films or even your top one horror film. Right? Totally. I'd love it if people do that. Absolutely. So next year, next year. Yeah. If you only saw one great horror movie. Send us that one. Yes, absolutely. All right, Wolfman Josh and Dr. Shock, let's um just do a very quick, uh, I know people are probably thinking we're just um stalling, but we're just having fun right now. This is our, this is our uh, New Year's party right now is what we're having. So I hope people have something fun to drink as you're listening with us. Um, I'm drinking water because uh, New Year's resolutions, damn it. But um, anyways. Guava nectar. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, Nice. <laughs> Yeah, um, I still have I still have two backwoods bastards left. I drank one of them already, <laughs> and they don't mix well with Snickers bars. That's oh, what I'm finding out tonight. Yikes! You know what I did hear? Our listener David from the UK. He said he loves those beers. And he supports you in that decision. I, I saw that. That, that was that. Yeah. That's great. I that I, I love that. I didn't realize that this was as well known as that. And that, that's awesome, David. Thank you. Um, and I really enjoy them. I I love this. Uh. You know, I don't usually find a new beer that I take to uh, that quickly, but <laughs> this one I definitely have. <laughs> nice. That's cool. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you still had your hillbilly beer. <laughs> I forgot I the have, name I of have, it. <laughs> I, well, I've drank, I drank one already, and I have one left. And I actually had two Snickers bars and two uh, beers, but I'm putting the Snickers bar aside because the first mixture of that went pretty poorly. Oh. So I'm just going to stick with the beer. Okay, I'm with you. <laughs> All right, well, let's uh, let's reflect here on uh, the Horror Movie Podcast year in review of 2018. 
of some of the highlights in case we have brand new listeners. This might be your first episode. We just want to let you know what you missed this year and what you can go back and listen to at horrormoviepodcast.com. What what are some of your highlights, Josh? Well, our first show of the year after our top 10 horror movies of 2017 was Winter with Stephen King Part 1, where we discussed The Shining and Misery. And our Stephen King shows have been a hit generally. I think we've done four of them now, if I'm not mistaken, including The History of Stephen King, where we went through his entire filmography over two episodes, mm-hmm. as well as uh, a Creepy Clowns episode with It versus It. And then the the uh, Winter with Stephen King. And we have Winter with Stephen King coming up as well. Part two of that series where we'll be discussing two more of his wintry tales. So I, I really enjoyed that one. And I, I I know our listeners did, too. I've heard a lot about that. Mm-hmm. Um, the weird episode was weird. I, I enjoyed that. We talked about Annihilation and They Remain. And I thought it was a lot of fun. We had Carl Cederholm on the show, Carl of Cthulhu, who himself is a hp lovecraft scholar and the weird is not a genre that any of us are particularly familiar with so it was nice to have an expert in the field on the show for that episode to walk us through that and we also had the director of they remain on that episode with us i thought that was a lot of fun Um, i've heard a lot of good feedback about lucio fulci's gates of hell trilogy episode that we did i know people really enjoyed that and Mm -hmm. um those are some of the few that stood out to me so far there's a lot though there were a lot this year yeah one of my favorites you might have guessed was pig-headed horror Mm -hmm. (laughs) oh really i love that i love that that was so much fun it's weird it's almost like we forgot about that because it's never been brought up again since yeah i know it boy that seems like so long ago what about I? I also love the the uh, cult episodes. Killing in the name of those themed episodes were really a those lot of fun. Probably my favorites of the year, uh, only because I saw some really strong films um, yeah. uh, dur- during both of those episodes. And I mean, not even 2018 films. And there was one, but I mean, the majority of them were were older movies. And then we had that one series um, that mm-hmm. was probably my favorite. I, I really liked. I, I really liked uh, both of those. Mm-hmm. That was a lot of fun. Absolutely. Killing in the name of part one, belief and killing in the name of part two, religious cults. Those were episodes 150 and 151. Yes. Yeah, that, was a lot of, that was a lot of fun. I always enjoy our shark attack episode. This was our <laughs> second annual shark attack episode. Mm-hmm. And we talked about the Meg and deep blue sea. And those are, that's always a lot of fun. I think to talk about sharks yep. in the summertime, it just, they just pair well together. They oh, do. Totally agree. Yeah. And, and one of the, my favorite things um, was just that, that Halloween, that huge Halloween episode where we just basically talked about Halloween 2018 for like hours. Um, that was so much fun to me to, to yeah. explore that with you guys. I really loved yeah, that. Absolutely. And of course, scary scarecrows, straw headed horror was recently, um, I really like that. Um, the Puppet Master franchise, well, you know, we got through that um, together. <laughs> I mean, I've heard, honestly, I've heard a lot of acclaim just that we were willing to do all of the <laughs> Puppet Master films. There were people who were impressed with that. And right. to those people, we say thank you uh, for your patronage because it, it, uh, it was a haul. Yes. And uh, we, yeah, we covered all of the Puppet Master movies and all of the Hellraiser movies. In just four episodes, if I'm not yeah. mistaken, yes. it was, was four a episodes. lot to get through. Yeah, that was a lot, absolutely. 
and and Dave basically put toothpicks in his eyelids and watched movies <laughs> for like twenty four seven. You know, for like what four weeks or something. I mean, you did a lot of homework for that, Dave. So we yeah appreciate well, you for the Hellraiser. I missed the first uh, Puppet Master episode, on, which was unfortunate. I really hated to miss that one. But I yeah for the Hellraiser, I you know, and some of them was were they were kind of rough. But you know, but I saw some good movies in there as well that I I wasn't expecting to be good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it turned out to be a little better than I thought it was going to be. Also, Clark, the horror unicorn, joined us for the previously mentioned Killer Colts episode, but she was yeah. also our guest for Suspiria versus Suspiria, which I just thought was a blast. I absolutely yeah. loved that episode, uh, talking about the classic 1977 film versus the new 2018 version. And man, I really, really enjoyed that. And I agreed with you, Jay. I had a lot of fun with Scary Scarecrows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those. It is fun. And uh, that's going to be getting underway one scarecrow film per week here um, now that we're getting the, all these top 10 cramming out of the way. So I'm excited about that. Um, also, we did a number of our our signature Frankenstein episodes, of course, where it's just a hodgepodge of whatever we want to talk about, whatever we've been watching lately. And in episode 149, that was a weird one. Because um, for whatever reason, I forget where Josh was. He wasn't able to make it, I don't think. And Dave had a few movies up his sleeve, and I had very little. So in that episode, (laughs) I did little segments about how to create a monster. Do you remember that, Dave? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was awesome. You did a good job with that. Absolutely. Well, that's nice. Um, Thanks for saying that. But that that was really fun to me because it was a little bit of a different angle, but... Um, yeah. That was neat. That was episode 149. If anybody wants to check that out, I wonder out. if that's when I was in China. That was that was scary. I was when you were in China. Yeah, mm. I think so. We also did a, a epic 21 2018 horror films for your consideration. That that was our biggest Frankensteinian episode of the year, I think, and that was pretty insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, abs- yeah, that was, and that was a lot of fun too. Yeah. Yeah, so 2018 has been a good year on Horror Movie Podcast. We had a lot of fun, and uh, we hope that if you're brand new, that you'll check out some of those old episodes. You can find all our shows, all 165 of them, at HorrorMoviePodcast.com. Okay. And Dave, I'm looking at the artwork for episode 163 right now, and I see the one film that I was planning on checking out that I forgot it was boarding school. Your recommendation oh. from that episode. I can't believe I forgot to get to that one. Oh, <laughs> well, there were there were some movies that that unfortunately I, I didn't get to that I really wanted to before this list. Some of them they just never played in my area, like Suspiria and Anne and the Apocalypse. Um, but then I didn't see uh, the House that Jack Built or Overlord, which are two movies I really wanted to see as well. I didn't get to see them. Uh, and I missed Hellfest. I didn't see Hellfest, those five. So every year there are some movies we don't quite get to um, yeah. that we think maybe could have made the list. Um, and those are my ones, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, since we're doing that that list right now, yes, I wanted to see Boarding School as well because of Dave. I didn't fit that in. I, I did. You guys will be surprised at some of the things I did end up fitting in that you probably didn't think I would watch, but I did. Um, and, and then like, I really wanted to see, uh, the witch in the window. I didn't get to fit that in. Mm. So yeah, there were a few on, that I was looking forward to as well. But anyways, I'm, I'm but actually boarding school, boarding school would be one. I think you both would, would probably enjoy. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I'm going to, I'm, you know, I got my little pen and paper here and I'm going to be taking notes as we go. And I hope the listeners will do the same if they want to, in case they hear anything we talk about that they want to see. So uh, without further ado, <laughs> let's get underway with our top 10 horror movies of 2018. What we do is we start with uh, number 10, obviously, and we count backwards and we're going to go round robin. And because our listeners are the coolest, we're going to actually start with their list first. So it'll be um, the listeners, then Dr. Shock, then me, and then Josh. And that'll be our rotation for the episode, if that's all right with everybody. Works for me, yeah. All right. Here we are on the uh, Horror Movie Podcast listener number 10 pick. And it came in with 120 points, and it was a film called Terrified, a.k.a. Aterrados, right? So, nice. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and so what I got quality here... Quality film. Quality, quality film. And, you know, that's the one that uh, Dave turned me on to. I was not planning on getting around to it, but uh, Dave's review was so hot. Mm-hmm. He came in hot on that one. I thought, oh man, I, I need to check this one out. And yeah. I was not disappointed. And, and, you know, I don't know if our listeners have heard this or if you have heard this, but Guillermo del Toro is actually producing a remake of that film with the original director in an English language version. So they've hired the screenwriter of Hitchcock and he made the documentary Anvil, the story of Anvil he will be doing an English language um, translation of that script. Wow. Cool. That's, that's interesting. Well, we got a, a little comment here from uh, Donnie Darko who wrote in a, a few of the listeners sent some, some short write-ups about some of these films. So I'm going to, you know, refer to some of what they've written. Donnie wrote, had to rewatch to see how the characters were connected and enjoyed it even more on a second viewing the creature was the scariest of the year and love the poltergeist-like crew that comes in to investigate. The subtitles were a bit hard to read, but only added to in the insanity of the film. And to top it off with a creepy kid, I, I hope that this comes... I sure hope the American remake doesn't butcher it. So that's what Donnie Darko had to say about Terrified. Let me see. Um, we also had one from, um, just real quick, from Green Zombie Dog said, Some of the creepiest moments in horror that I saw this year. I think it's debatable how well this works as a complete narrative, but as a series of terrifying vignettes, this hits the mark. Totally agree. Mm-hmm. All right. So that was uh, the listener's number 10, and it's terrified. Hey, Dr. Shock, what is your number 10? Right, my number ten movie is probably the most recent addition to the list, and this is one that Josh had actually turned me on to, and it is "May the Devil Take You," mm. a- an Indonesian horror film. Uh, the The idea is um, uh, this guy makes a deal with a what we're assuming is so- a-, a sort of a, a witch like character um, to. You know, to, he's he's been struggling, I guess, in his personal life, and and he's looking for some money. So he makes a deal with this um, with this woman uh, who uses some supernatural forces, uh, or who employs supernatural forces to uh, to get him, you know, the wealth he desires. 
But of course, it's going to cost him. And it's not just going to cost him, it's going to cost his family. And I think one of the things I like most about this movie, first off, it's really creepy. There's a lot of really creepy scenes in the film. But what I re- what I liked most about it was, you know, a lot of these films, a lot of the supernatural movies are also sort of a mystery where it slowly unravels, where you figure out, okay, here's what's happening. Here's, here's why it's happening, um, you know, as it goes along. This movie in the first scene kind of tells you, okay, here's what's happening. So the mystery, it's not a mystery to the audience. It's a mystery to the characters as they go forward. You know, his, his family, um, you know, it's like, hey, what's happening here? But we, the audience, know. We, at, least, at least we know about 80, 80% of, of what's happening and, and what's going on. And, but even without that mystery, it's still a very creepy film. Just some really spooky scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially the, 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 the character of the witch, There's, are, there are possessions that happen. There's, there's a sequence set out in a, in a, in a forest that's just mm-hmm. absolutely nerve-wracking. And I loved this movie. I really did. And that, that's my number 10. Again, it's, it's from Indonesia, and it's, um, it's a Netflix original, and it's called May the Devil Take You. Okay. And I wanted to mention this when we were doing our kind of year in review discussion, but just to mention really quickly, it's been a strong year for uh, foreign horror again. You know, we, we saw a couple yep. of big standout films from Indonesia this year, which was new with uh, this and Satan's Slaves, and that's exciting. We saw a couple of big standout films from Argentina, including Terrified, which is exciting. Uh, we had Good Manners from Brazil. So uh, it was cool. It's cool to see all of uh, horror doing well all over the world, I guess. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Totally agree. Yeah, I'm excited. I'll put that on my list, Dave. I'm, I'll check that out. All right. So uh, my number 10 is, is one that I started hearing about at the beginning of the year pretty early on. And it just took me forever to get around to it, probably because it's a zombie film. And I love zombie films, don't get me wrong. But, um, you know, there have been so many zombie films the past, like, you know, 10 or 15 years or whatever that, you know, it's uh, it's not that I'm tired of them, but I'm just like, oh, yeah, I'll watch it, I'll watch it. But I, I've heard great things. And the film is Ravenous. It's a little French film uh, written and directed by Robin Aubert. And... What's so fascinating to me about this film is when it when it began, I'm like, wait a second, wait a second. So so the language is in fr- French. Sorry, I, I misquoted, but it's actually a Canadian film, right? That's what I have here. Sorry, yeah, yes, it's, it's French Canadian, French Canadian. French, yeah. French Canadian. Okay, yeah. So when this film began, I was like, whoa, this looks pretty, uh, pretty like DIY, like a do-it-yourself zombie film made on the weekends or something. I mean, it was so low-key at first um, as it begins, and I was a little uh, underwhelmed, and I'm I'm thinking, okay, what is what is it that everybody's talking about? But, but something happened over the course of this film, and that's, I noticed that um, the characters that inhabit this film, more than I think most any other zombie film I can even think of, seem to me to be just everyday people um like and that's really interesting to me because i was just like like the walking dead has this long like series of you know episodes and all those people 
all those characters end up being kind of archetypal. And I'm not saying there aren't archetypes in this, but generally speaking, it just seems like they're the average Jane or the average Joe. And the, you know, they're, they're unremarkable people in this situation. And that really gave it, um, kind of an air of, of reality for me. And it, it kind of, I, I don't know. It, it got me to like pay closer attention and become alert and and just engaged in the film. And I really enjoyed that. Um, there are a couple, even though it starts out and seems a little low budget, there are a couple of incredible, <laughs> incredible kill scenes. Um, there's one in particular, which I'll talk about later on tonight. Uh, but my goodness, um, there, there's also another and I'm trying to be very careful here because I don't want to go into any spoilers, obviously. But but. In, in a lot of the recent zombie films, like uh, something like Cargo or, or this film, there are some unusual types of characteristics, like unusual things that they do. And for whatever reason, the unusual thing that these that these do, which is um, has to do with standing stationary and staring, um, <laughs> it, it, it just got under my skin a lot. So anyways, I love Ravenous. I wish... Yeah. I, I kind of wish that the um, <clears throat> the ending had gone a little bit differently. Um, that's the only thing that you know kind of knocked it down somewhat for me. But man, it was uh, it was a tremendous experience, and I'm really grateful yeah. I saw it. And I I agree with you, Jay. I think that was one of the things I liked most about it too was was the, what the zombies how they acted. Mm-hmm. And I know what you're talking about that standing in the field sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was. I love that. I thought that was a really cool twist um, on the whole sort of zombie, um, not a twist, but I guess that was a different way to approach, uh, you know, a zombie film. And I, I loved it. I really did. I thought that was that was great. It didn't it didn't make my list as, you know, just minor spoiler here, but I agree with you. It's a strong movie. Yeah. And I remember when you guys reviewed it, you talked about how you appreciated and um, it made it a little more unsettling that these zombies kind of scream they have, they still have kind of like human-like yes. voice qualities, yes. and I and I picked up on that right away. I remember that you guys had said that. I I also like the way. Um, so there's the stationary in the field, and there's just the stationary, generally speaking, where they'll stand and stare at you for a minute, and then they'll charge you, <laughs> and, and that's very yeah. that's very weird, right? Like, I I don't know. That's just it's some kind of like inborn fear within me but it is it is and there's also a, uh, something else that's interesting is this movie starts off with characters telling jokes <laughs> yes uh, and one of the jokes i've told several people and gotten a big laugh from it so mm-hmm. uh th- th- that's something else to keep an eye on and that's right at the beginning of the film yeah it has some good jokes in it absolutely okay so that's ravenous my number 10 wolfman josh what is your number 10 well my number 10 is right in line with the listeners it's terrified and Again, this was not a movie that looked good to me when I saw the artwork. I saw the poster and I just thought, nope, that's not at all (laughs) my kind of film. Same. And yet the movie was fantastic. And even that creature, which again, I found very unappealing in poster form, turned out to be a fantastic monster, beastly freak, whatever you'd like to call it. And this is a world that I can't wait to see revisited. I'm very excited about it. I, you know, this was one for me that I just wanted more. Give me more of this. And there are images in that film that will stay with me for a very long time. And I'm not anti-paranormal the way you are, but it is has been a long time since one has really got to me. 
and this one really got to me. So mm. I appreciated that as well. I, I back you up on that. I actually watched this one as well. Um, you strongly recommended it to me, and um, you were right. Like even though I'm not typically a paranormal guy, this this got under my skin a lot too, and I was very creeped out. And I liked how um the listener earlier, I think it was Donnie Darko, was talking about um how it's it ends up being kind of like vignettes even though it's it's one it's supposed to be one story of course but um the different facets of creep factor or horror in this are are really well done so i back you josh yeah, yeah and just to, to explain that a little bit to our listeners who haven't seen it it's be, it takes place in a neighborhood and so we see the the threat here transpire in different homes and we also see it over kind of a mixed up timeline so that's why Mm -hmm. it has that kind of vignette feeling to it yeah and it's and and it's manifests in in various ways and that's that's cool that's very cool okay great pick number 10 yeah you're so you're right on par with the listeners right there so far so good yeah yeah that's right (laughs) let's see how number nine holds up yeah that's right okay so yeah let's take it to the the listeners number nine and it is summer of 84 so uh let me see what we got here for in terms of listener comments summer of 84 the scientist writes i love movies set in the 80s and this was no different the nostalgia i felt was very similar to super dark times and it transported me back to a time when i was first watching horror i just wish this film had more action and actual horror i agree i love super dark times man that movie got me good i love that super, super dark times was awesome absolutely and i and i'm a fa- i was a big fan of summer of 84 too i think it played sort of like an 80s movie right up to the end when it just like really rattled you mm-hmm. yeah and, and graham the haunted marshmallow wrote i'm not sure the filmmaking and the ideas in the script are always in line with one another here but i think it is a fun ride that has some things to say about when children stop living within childhood so excellent all right that's the listeners number nine and it was summer of 84 hey dr shock what is your number nine my number nine is the clove hitch killer (laughs) uh this is another one i saw fairly recently and i think i mean dylan mcdermott is extraordinary in it i mean it's it's probably gives his finest performance and that's really saying something you know in in this movie because uh you know it's it's about i know we covered it recently it's it's about a um a family um that's living in this town that 10 years earlier had been sort of rocked by this serial killer known for tying um his victims up uh female victims up with the with uh rope and uh, a clove hitch thus his name um you know the the clove hitch killer and uh, what it is, you know, the a son starts to suspect that maybe his father was involved in these somehow. And I think that this movie just sort of builds upon that and just gets more creepy. It gets creepier and creepier as it goes along. And that's probably what really got me. And then at one point it doubles back on itself. But it's just so involving and so intriguing that... Uh, it, it, it really pulled me in and, and I was, it was a very satisfying experience watching this movie for me. And it, it was also a very, 
very disturbing. I mean, this is probably, um, you know, where this movie goes in the last act, uh, I think is, uh, you know, it, it really, it pushes the envelope in several ways. And I love that about it also. So yeah, that's my number nine, the clove hitch killer. Mm-hmm. I'm back here on that. I love that film and it's actually in my top 10 list over on movie podcast weekly <laughs> It is a great film. All right. That brings me to my number nine, and it is The Strangers Pray at Night. Now, I was a little surprised, to be honest, with how people reacted to this film when it came out. Because I know that, of course, the original The Strangers was one of the the scariest films of the decade. There's no doubt. That came out in 2008. And then this film is 10 years later. And I think maybe I'm just spitballing here but i think maybe people expected it to be or were hoping that it would be like the same thing but but more of it and and i feel like in the way that like terminator and terminator 2 you know kind of become something a little bit different i I feel like this kind of did that too now i i still think there obviously there are home invasion aspects of it and and there's a real strong like it's almost like, I mean, you have three slasher killers in this. I mean, in the in the first, the original Strangers, there's that creepy, like, they kind of haunt the place by just hanging out and being a menacing presence. But in this, it's like three slasher killers in one film. And I loved it. I feel like it was very strong. Like, the violence um, <clears throat> is upsetting and, and graphic and... I it was exactly what I'm looking for in a slasher film. I was very pleased with the strangers pray at night. Number number nine for me. Yeah. And I'm going to, I'll back you up on this one too, Jay. I, I was more impressed with this movie than I was expecting after hearing some of the, you know, some of the comments about it. Um, it's not so much a home invasion as it is more of a, of a neighborhood invasion, mm-hmm. I guess, if you put it that way. Um, and, few of the things I liked, one of the things I really liked about it is, is it had Bailey Madison as, as probably what turns out, I guess a main character. And she's just a really good actress. I mean, I was impressed with her back when she was a kid in, uh, uh, you know, uh, Del Toro's don't be afraid of the dark his remake of that film. Mm-hmm. And I thought she does a great job here as well. Uh, but then it's, it's the three, it's the three, um, killers like you're saying the masked killers in this that um i think they're just as creepy in this movie as they were in the first mm-hmm. for me anyway um uh, so no i'm with you i like this one a lot as well and think about it i mean seriously just not to belabor the point but how often do we have a slasher film where there are three slasher killers and not just one you know right. i'm just saying that's cool but i i agree all right thanks buddy i'm glad you liked it too Okay, Wolfman Josh, what is your number nine? My number nine is a really, really, really good movie. I just liked it so, so, so much. <laughs> Something about it just struck me on an emotional, emotional, emotional <laughs> level. You're killing me with this. <laughs> I know I know what you're doing. <laughs> I, I know what you're doing. <laughs> It's the house the Jack built. No, I'm just joking. Uh, Mon, Mon, Mon Monsters was my my number nine. Um, I struggled with this movie 
kind of went back and forth and back and forth with it. And it's weird that my number nine spot was like my more contentious spot because you'd think number 10 would be, but I kind of always knew Terrified was going to take that spot. But for some reason, eight and nine, I just went over and over and over and over again trying to figure out what would occupy this particular space on my list. And uh, But yeah, for me, ultimately, the originality behind this storyline and also the quality of the execution on a technical level, both in terms of, you know, cinematography, acting, everything. I just, it had to be this movie. And uh, this was definitely one of the more unique horror movies that I saw this year. And I loved that it was done mostly practical and, and it had a very strong young cast, which is hard to pull off uh, really young pro- performers performing very well and so yeah mon 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 i should never tell you guys things because all right that's awesome you know based on the number of times you said pig-headed horror on this podcast in the last year you deserve all of the mon 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 monsters Josh could handle. go on saying mon mon for the next 10 <laughs> minutes and it wouldn't match big headed horror mentioned this past year. I agree. That is, that's right. You had it, touche. It, it, <laughs> All right. So that brings us back to the listener uh, top 10 and we're at number eight and their number eight pick was uh, the ritual. And uh, let me just go back up here. So terrified had 120 points. Summer of 84 had 148 points. Trust me, these points will become significant to you all later on the higher we get in the list and then the ritual was at 165 and will wilhelm scream wrote based on the novel by the amazing adam neville i was looking forward to this one for a while neville's style and tone was translated very well to the screen and then jordan allen wrote the ritual was released very early in 2018 and it immediately went to the top of my top 10 list Stunning visuals, a cohesive group of friends, and a solid story helped this become an early contender. However, as the year went on, many other horror films surpassed the ritual and showed that wasn't necessarily as strong as I had thought. It was just early to the party. Still good, though. And see, um, I, I know what Jordan means there, but I just think it was such an exceptional year for horror, right? I mean, competition is tight, right, guys? I mean, the filmmaking yeah. in that is mind blowing on multiple levels. I, I, yeah, it's it's one of those times. We said this a few years ago. I remember every time we would read a film, we would say, "In any other year, this could have been my number one." You know, <laughs> and, funny how we say that every year, and I say it every year too. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I really think you know, I think that the ritual number one has the best movie monster in the last five years, as far as I'm concerned. Love it. Um, and But also, I think that it handles flashbacks in an extremely interesting way we haven't ever really seen. I mean, we've seen similar things, but I think it does it better than almost any movie I can think of. Uh, yeah, it's the, it's not totally strong all the way through, but I, I was really impressed with this movie. Mm-hmm. And I, I concur. I mean, it, it go, it's, go, it's funny because that's probably the earliest one we covered even here on HMP. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's more towards the beginning of 2018, um, but it stays with you. And this one stayed with me as well. 
Yep. I agree. All right, Dr. Shock, what is your number eight? My number eight, uh, no big surprise if you heard episode 163, it's Boarding School. Uh, a movie that just really affected me, mm-hmm. uh, stayed with me as to where it went, uh, you know, as it carried on. You can go back to 163 to hear my comments uh, about this movie, but it's one that just never left me. And I knew it was going to be on the list and it was actually lower before, uh, but I couldn't keep it. It was number 10, but I couldn't keep it there. I, it was just that strong of an experience for me. So I had it at number eight. Yeah, it's it's boarding school. And if you haven't seen it, I definitely recommend it. It's a very different main character. He's very, um, you know, he's not the usual sort of main character in a horror film. Um, he does dress up. It's it's in women's clothing and he does like to, it's a preference of his and it does play into the film, but it's also just a really intriguing mystery as well. And I loved it. I re- I'm really, really hoping this one comes out on, on DVD or Blu-ray at some point, because I will pick it up. And this is one I'm very anxious to watch again. Yeah, me too. I'm super intrigued by this and I'm bumming I didn't get to it, but I will. Thanks, Dave. That's number eight for Dave and it is boarding school. Okay. And that brings me to my number eight, which is the ritual. Yep. I'm right there with the listeners. I I love this film. It was in in the exact same thing that, that Jordan was talking about happened with me. I'm like, you know, I, what was it? March or whatever. When that came out on Netflix, it was early in the year. As we said, as soon as I saw it, I'm like, okay, that's my number one film of the year. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Um, so uh, it was, it was on my list for, from the first yeah. time I saw it. And it's a beastly yeah. freaks film. And there are other horror mel- elements as well. I don't, I don't want to spoil where it goes, but other aspects are revealed as well, which tie into some of our previous theme episode discussions. And, and I just love that idea that, you know, it's a bunch of buddies in the woods on a hunting trip or whatever they're doing. <laughs> and and uh, it, it's pretty severe because there's this, there's this guilt complex. There's this, there's this sad uh, feeling that, that kind of hangs over the group. Um, and that plays into the, the horror, at least for me. I, I just, I love when characters are already off balance. It's that thing of horror happens to those who deserve at least... They're already off balance, and then they get pushed farther from the horror. Um, the ritual is amazing, and I agree with you, Josh. That that is one of my favorite monsters, one of my favorite creature designs that I've yeah. seen in years. I love it. it. It's strong. It really is. All right, and uh, Wolfman, Josh, what is your number eight? As I alluded to, on number nine, this was the other spot I really struggled with on my list. I just uh, did not no first search and what I wanted to put here. And the reason why is because the film that landed here is not usually my kind of movie. I'm not a big science fiction fan. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of things that could be considered like trippy or weird. I'm not uh, a big fan of CGI heavy films, but there was something about annihilation that has haunted me wow. since I saw it and the ending in particular, which I won't give away just messes with my brain. It is so <laughs> the feeling is so oppressive yeah. to me, the uncanny nature 
of, you know, and we have a character that falls directly into that uncanny valley of creepiness that just, I can't take it. Like watching that just makes me so utterly uncomfortable. And there are other cool elements to this. There's kind of a botanical body horror that takes place in this movie there. There there's like a mutation going on with a lot of the, the plant life and animal life in the film. And it, yields some really ungodly creations. Uh, there's a scene with kind of what has been referred to as the ghost bear that is super terrifying. Like one of the scariest scenes I saw this year was that scene with the bear in the house. Um, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, there's also a lot of bad CGI in my, in my opinion, I'm sure they spent a lot of money on it, but I just don't love the way it, it looks. Uh, and you know, and that was that, and the just the general science fiction vibe are the things that were kind of holding it back for me. But ultimately, yeah, I couldn't deny the impact that Annihilation had on me. You know what I loved about that film, Josh, is that number one, it's beautiful. It's absolutely a gorgeous film. But number two, I loved how it felt like these were genuine scientists who were going to study this anomaly, there are ways in which it reminds me of John Carpenter's The Thing, because you see things that you haven't seen before, which is really cool, but also you have people who are legitimate, you know, working in their field and trying to do their thing and be professionals. Mm -hmm. And and, um, so, yeah, I mean, it it has a a weight of veracity to it, and it feels Mm -hmm. like it could be a real story. Well, there's definitely some imagery that feels like it, is very much related to the world of the thing as well. But, and yeah, you've got the all male cast of that film flopped for an all female cast of this film. And it's nice to see, I know some people aren't going to care about this, but sorry if I'm a snowflake, but it's awesome to me that there is a full female cast, women of color, uh, different sexual orientations, and they're all just well-rounded regular characters. They're women. They don't have to be men in order or, to be tough or cool and it's just uh refreshing i think i i agree with everything you said and then plus like you're saying some of the imagery in this movie is um uh, unsettling and amazing Uh, and it's it's almost as if it was well you know if you see the movie you understand it but just some of the uh creations there's one where these um, you, you have this this plant life taking on more uh, human form, and and it it's mm-hmm. just so beautiful. many things in the it is so many things in the movie are are are, are beautifully unsettling. I guess is the best way to put it. And mm-hmm. uh, and the scene you mentioned about the bear is is extraordinary. Uh, and there's even one with what is it a crocodile? I think or an alligator yeah. or something that I think. Um, uh, it was a little bit too much CGI for me, but I still well, yeah, I, that that was the thing. The CGI, uh, I don't disagree with you on that, but um, the, it worked. The, I mean, it worked. The imaginative the, the, creations are just so impressive. Exactly, it's it's like you could let your imagination run wild in this world, and it seems that's what the filmmakers did. I agree. Mm-hmm. It's very colorful too. I love that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Okay, great pick, Josh. All right, so back to the listeners. We're to their number seven, and they chose at 196 points, The Endless. 
Sean of the Evil Dead from Derby UK writes, The most memorable movie of the year for me. Whilst arguably not a horror primarily, this film is beautiful to look at, keeps you guessing, and has an undeniable creep factor that unnerved me throughout. Benson and Moorhead are awesome. 10 out of 10. That's what Sean of the Evil Dead says. And an Anthony P. says, as a fan of the weird and all things Lovecraft, this movie worked for me in the best way possible. From the culty setting to the supernatural elements to the ambiguous ending, The Endless is not only my favorite from 2018, but likely one of my top 10 of all time, says wow. Anthony P. Yeah, and I loved how Anthony That's cool. That's <laughs> nice. Anthony slipped in culty, which is really funny because that's used in the film a couple of times. Right. <laughs> You know, I honestly, that was one of the films that was in my number eight spot. There were, there were four films in contention for my eight and nine spot. And the endless was one. I'll just spoil, I guess the rest of my list with this one element didn't make it in my top 10, but it really tried. Like it it went in and out and in and out and uh, Mm. ultimately fell out. But I, I was so impressed with this movie and I, especially I love the filmmakers and I love that they returned to their resolution universe and made something that I think is far superior to that film. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I just really, really enjoyed the endless. Yeah. All right. So that's the endless. That's their number seven. And now we're at Dr. Shock's number seven. What you got? All right. Number seven for me is one that we discussed in episode 160. It is Mandy uh, starring (laughs) Nicholas Cage. Just a, a visual explosion and (laughs) so many, you know, a a deliberately paced visual explosion, Uh, you know, and I think that that's maybe what turns um, some people off is just that the, the, it's a slower film, but it's building towards something and you get that feeling throughout that it's building towards something. And it just, when it finally gets there, I think, um, I think it's amazing. I think it's amazing throughout. Uh, and I love the style of it. I, I, I really do. There's, there's so much about this movie that I enjoyed. Um, and Nicholas Cage being Nicholas Cage. Uh, but it's still delivering a very strong performance. Um, a lot of the action that happens later on. Uh, this is another movie like with cults. You know, you have the, you have the, uh, the antagonists in this one are truly despicable. And just everything about it. I, 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 I love the colors. I loved the visuals, just everything. So yeah, that's my number seven is, is Mandy. And it, it, it was even higher uh, on the list before, but um, in a, it, as strong a year as 2018 was, um, you know, it, it still deserved a place on the top 10 for me anyway. Well, I'll, I'll chime in with this one comment about that film, and it's, uh, it's, I'm still struck by how, once again, visually beautiful and colorful it is, and I think it has perhaps the best soundtrack of the year. It's incredible. Yep. All right, that's Mandy, and that's Dr. Shock's number seven. Okay, we get to my number seven, and man, this has been frustrating to try to talk to people about this, so I'm going <laughs> to because sometimes I don't even know how to talk to people about this. It recently uh, came out on Netflix, and it is Bird Box. So 
First of all, I'll just put a couple things out there. Number one, <laughs> like um, I, I saw this on Twitter. This is where I got this, um, you know, these complaints from people because like people will say, well, it reminds me of this film or it reminds me of that film. Well, initially I wasn't making any comparisons to other films because, um, you know, I didn't want to spoil anything about it whatsoever in case people could go in totally blind. But I guess people are well aware of some of the elements and what it's similar to because people have talked about it ad nauseum. So if you do, if you know nothing about Bird Box and you're going to give it a try, which I recommend that you do, it's my number seven, then plug your ears for 30 seconds. This isn't a spoiler, but it's just generally some people say it reminds them too much of the happening or it's like um, a quiet place, but, you know, but, you know, a, a, a variation of that. And, and I will say I only watched half the trailer and I got both of those comparisons. Right. So. Right. Yeah. I'm not it, like that's not a huge spoiler. No, not at all. And in fact, yeah, if anybody does watch the trailer, they'll know they'll know that stuff. But but I was just, you know, initially when I was talking to people about this film, you know, <laughs> I was trying to protect it. But yeah, the, you know how trailers are. So it's common knowledge. But the thing is, number one, um, this what I found out is this film, the story that this is adapted from, it was initially a novel and that story was actually written even before the happening came out. So it's not like, and my only point in bringing it up, it didn't rip those off. But anyways, so enough of that defense type of stuff. <laughs> but it, it executes, you know, the, the happening circumstance, it executes that really well, I think. Here you've got lots of different horror elements I love. You have, um, you know, a, a parent trying to protect, protect children in peril. You, you have... Um, uh, like a siege narrative you have a post-apocalyptic you know or, or an apocalypse happening right before you and then it it ranges into post-apocalyptic you have it's a survival horror film it's um i mean it's so many things it's a it's a beastly freak horror film um the quote-unquote monster or monsters in this film i'm being ambiguous on purpose um the characters at least refer to that as uh, the creature or creatures. So I'm just putting that out there to people. Um, so anyways, I when I watched this film, I was texting people right and left. Like I, I was texting my co-hosts on both of these shows and, and like losing my mind about it. I was having so much fun. This is one of the most enjoyable experiences I've had all year. And it, 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 it floored me. I just love Bird Box. Sorry to ramble so much. <laughs> and I saw it too. It, it and you know, spoiler, it didn't make my list, but it is a ver. It's it's a great movie. It really is. Um, and you know, it, it's. I think it has two sort of. It, it has two things going on. It's doubling back on itself to sort of set up what happened, and then you see the aftermath of of the Sandra Bullock character sort of dealing with what's happened. Mm-hmm. Um, it's never really spelled out what the threat exactly is which i think is a strength of the movie mm-hmm. uh that that is just sort of this this there's an ambiguous uh i guess feel about it um and uh, yeah it's it's good it really is and jay i wouldn't have seen this if you hadn't uh <laughs> done those texts if you haven't sent those texts to us i probably wouldn't have checked it out so i thank you for that oh no problem i'm glad you did and 
I'm glad you liked it. All right, that's my number seven. It's Bird Box. It's streaming on Netflix right now. All right, Wolfman Josh, what is your number seven? My number seven is a kind of revenge fantasy film directed by Corley Fargette, and it is about a young woman who is romantically involved with a married man, and they are having a, a short vacation together before he starts a hunting trip with his friends. And uh, while he's out one day, his friends kind of try to take advantage of her and it turns ugly pretty quickly. And the rest of the film is about her getting her revenge. And uh, I just thought revenge was one of the most brilliantly shot films of the year. I think it's just a visual feast, Uh, you know, the color the photography uh, it's a very over the top in terms of the gore but i i love that element of it it's over the top in terms of the the believability of um maybe w- what this character could or could not survive <laughs> but i love that element of it too and so um i found it really bright and just a lot of fun to watch. It was, it had a lot to say about the male gaze and it had a lot to say about violence against women, but it also was just a revenge romp. So uh, definitely a movie I can recommend to people. And it was my numero seven, seven. (laughs) And and I'll tell you what, I think one of the things I liked most about this movie is that it doesn't seem like this character, you know, at the outset is has the strength that she eventually shows in the movie. And I love that about it. I thought that was great that you think you're, you're thinking this character is one way. And then when the chips are down, she's another way and, you know, proves a formidable foe. And I, I loved it too. And I thought it, I, I thought it was shot very well. A beautiful locale with such a brutal story. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot to uh, to admire about this one. Mm-hmm. And she's not a hero; like she's not a good person classically. No, like, right? The exactly. She's involved with from the outset are not super great, but what she's a survivor, and we, you know, she's someone who is going to do right. what she can do. And you don't get that progress. Yeah you don't get that feeling from her at first. You don't get the feeling she's that way. You think she's sort of a typical other woman, uh, if you would, for a married well, man. Well, you know, you you know, know that she's, yeah, she's with the married man and she's doing it presumably to advance her career. And so, you know, you, you there are glimpses of that. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So the two things that I'd just like to say about it real quick is I love how much blood is in this film. Like, uh, <laughs> Oh, especially that le- that that ending in the house. It's that's what amazing. I'm. That's what I'm it's saying. Amazing. Like, it, it's it's neat when a horror film will like go there full full board. Like and and like for example, like we get a lot of blood in like um, Dead Alive or whatever. Like we sometimes like excessive blood becomes a parody, you know. But but I'm thinking of like the new um, the Halloween two, you know, the bathroom kill with the the white horse movie 
Like with that, like there's so much blood in that bathroom. It's insane. And there, there's so much blood in the end of this film. I, I think it's great when there's a horror film that takes blood and works it in so much. The other thing is, Josh, um, I, I caught up with uh, what keeps you alive. And I was really uh, struck by the similarity, some of the parallels um, with what keeps you alive and revenge. Anyways, great. Pick. Yeah, it was. It, it's interesting. You know, we, you, I, we were recommended by listener Dino to do uh, favorite scenes of the year, and unfortunately, I just didn't have time to compile that. And I started kind of doing it while we were, since we've been recording the show. I thought, well, I'll put something together while we're recording. But the thing is, is as I get to movies like Annihilation and Revenge, like Revenge has three of my favorite scenes of the year, and mm-hmm. Annihilation has two of my favorite scenes of the year. So, you know, <laughs> my entire list would be comprised of just a couple of, of movies, I think. But yeah, th- there were two, maybe three scenes from this film that I hear criticized an awful lot. Uh, there's a scene involving a tree, a scene involving a fire and a scene, the scene that you're referring to Jay, the end with, all, with all the blood and people, some people have serious problems with those scenes. Those are my favorite things about the movie. I love those scenes. And um, you, yeah, you kind of have to go with the absurdity a little bit, but right. Mm-hmm. It's a fantasy. It's a, and this character is on a vision quest of sorts uh, in her revenge tale. So yeah. And it is you can go with it. It's a lot of fun. I'm with you. And it's, I think it's supposed to be extreme. It's supposed to be like, really pushing the envelope on a lot of different levels. And um, by the way, yes, I'm, I'm kind of doing the same thing that you're doing is I'm, I'm compiling my, my Dino scenes list as we go throughout the show. So (laughs) So, just so you know, Dino, I did mine earlier. So mine are ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) he's ready. I'll see if I could do it without only being from three movies. (laughs) All right. Sounds good. So that takes us to the listener top 10 list and we're at their number six with 220 votes. And um, Josh, same wavelength. Their pick is revenge. So that's nice. Pretty, that's pretty cool. So there, you know, you guys are, awesome. that's um, great. we got lots of comments on this. So let me see what we got here. Um, Brian Bashi writes, speaking of amazing debuts, Farjo's film was an absolute treasure and something that came out of nowhere for me was loving every minute throughout and then it ended in a way that made me metaphorically stand up and cheer in pure joy <laughs> and then uh, Dino uh, writes highly subversive and a bloody good time this film is dripping with style and gore the female gaze is unapologetic functioning as an admiration of her power over these men the gaze started as an admiration of her crippling sexuality and later transformed into an admiration of her badassness. <laughs> nice. Yes. So that, uh, that could be the best summation I think I've heard. That that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Really good, Dino. So yeah, that's uh Revenge, and that's the listeners collective number six. All right, Dr. Shuck, what is your number six? My number six is one that has already been mentioned. It's the endless. And uh, we discussed this during our, you know, what uh, our cults episode, I believe, um, you know, that two part episode. And it just it the mystery it builds around this cult, I think, is what really sort of stayed with me where you don't know what's going on, but you know, there's something more than you're seeing. It's not just 
a cult. There's more to it. There's something larger that's in control, and it sort of builds upon that. And this is a movie I actually recommended to a coworker. And this, these are tough. It's a tough film to recommend to other people if you don't know them well enough, because it is, um, I'm not going to say art house. That has a sort of negative connotation to it. I don't feel it's that. But there, it's not your typical sort you. of horror film. <laughs> What's that? I just said, how dare you? Yeah, right. Um, but we, we, I we recommended to, it. We need to fix that. We need, that's, our, that's a problem we need to address at some point. <laughs> What's that? What's the, that? The art house has a negative connotation. I think it sh- to me, that's like saying. Yeah, I know it shouldn't. I mean, it really shouldn't. Um, you know, uh, a negative connotation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, but <laughs> I recommended this to a coworker and he loved it. He absolutely loved this movie. And I think that's the type, I think it's the type of film it is. It's just such a, um, you know, it's, it's these two brothers and they're pulled back into this world that, uh, you think is one way and you find out it's another way. Um, I don't know. There's just so much here and, I would have loved to have seen it explored even more. I could have done it with another half hour of this movie, to be honest with you, to, to sort of expand it even more. Mm-hmm. It's not often that you say a movie's too short, but, uh, but this one, for me, I would have loved to have seen them go even longer with it. Um, yeah. And I think they could even make another movie about this world, and, and I would love it. So, yeah, that's my number six is The Endless. Indeed. I was going to say they do such a great job on the limited budget they had, but you would really yeah. like to see these guys get a big budget to explore this universe because oh, there's yeah. so much that could be done if you had, if they had just a little bit more budget. I mean, I think they make expert use of every cent they had every, oh, you know, yeah. it's all on the screen. It's incredible. Absolutely. Absolutely. They did great with, with what they had here. They did a, an awesome job, uh, but to see it with even more, I agree with you. That would, that would be amazing. I, I will concede. I, I will have to admit that, yeah, what you guys just said is exactly right. Because, cause, uh, yeah, I don't know how they made it look as, as good as it looks. I mean, it's it's pretty compelling for what they have. Absolutely. Right. All right. Um, so that's Dave's number six, and it's The Endless. And that brings you to my number six. Now, I, would, I was not going to end up watching this film, to be honest with you, because... <laughs> Because the the filmmaker here, the writer-director is Lars von Trier. And I know this seems unprofessional, but I think that guy's kind of a jackass usually. And so, um, you know, no, nothing personal, even though that sounds like a personal attack. But but, but his, <laughs> his way, he probably thinks I'm a jackass, so that's fine too. Um, but the thing is... I'm sure Lars has a lot of spends a lot of time thinking about you. I know he does. He does. I send him letters and he doesn't reply. And that's why he's a jackass. I'm just kidding. But what happens is if anybody knows about this filmmaker, he spends a lot of time punishing his audience and making his audience suffer along with the characters. Um, he's very unapologetic about that. Now I know like um, Josh and I both love dancer in the dark. Uh, that's one of I his films. I, I, so half of his filmography are my favorite films of all time. Right. And I really yeah. struggle with the other half. Right. Yeah. And the thing is, I mean, he does not let you off easy as a viewer. I mean, there is suffering. I mean, I mean, he, I feel like 
he intentionally tries to afflict the audience. And um, so, yeah. And, and that bugs well, What a great guy to do a horror movie. He's, he's the least oh, yeah. safe director you're ever going to find. He doesn't right. care about you at all. <laughs> right. Right. And I, and the thing is, I agree with that um, for sure. And so the reason I watched it though, thank you, Josh, is because Josh said, yeah, you, you should watch this, Jay. I think you'll go for it. And and you're exactly right. I mean, it's even though I don't love Lars von Trier, the, the film is incredible. And much like the way you described Hereditary, um, this is an extremely unpleasant experience. Um, almost, almost too far for me. I mean, it, it reminds me a lot of Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, except like amped up. And, and put to modern times. So basically it, it, it depicts, it shows us um, as if we're like a fly on the wall, this serial killer um, over the course of a number of years. He, I, I don't really want to talk about the setup of the film exactly, but um, I'm just going to say that he, he's kind of recounting and it shows us these, these murders and we, and we see it. And it's, it, it feels so real. Like there's such a verisimilitude to the whole thing. Like it, like it looks real and it's pulled off very well. The actors are incredible. It, it's like you're watching somebody get murdered and there are a number of them and they're all upsetting and graphic and intense. And, you know, one of, one of the reasons I've complimented and loved that f- the original Maniac film so much is because there's a strangulation scene in that film that that seems to me to capture exactly probably what it's like to kill somebody because it wouldn't be smooth or easy it would be awkward and weird and um that's a, a lot of these i mean some of these kills in this are very awkward and upsetting and so man in terms of like troubling I mean, I mean, I did not have fun watching this at all. It, it as as usual, it afflicted me and it made me feel terrible on so many levels. And it's like, part of me is like, why am I, why am I watching this? And it's two hours and thirty minutes. I mean, it's it's a serious commitment yeah. of, you know. At least it didn't do two volumes this time, though. <laughs> like, yeah, <right>. yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. But anyway, it's incredible. And in terms of a horror film, it's like okay, yeah, it's like uh, you, uh, you guys dig like uh, killers or whatever. Okay, well, watch watch a killer uh, for real. I mean, that's what it feels like. So this is this film is just you know shakes you up. And, and that's called The House That Jack Built. And it's not to be confused because right now, just so people know, streaming on Netflix is a different film called The House That Jack Built. And imagine my, um, because <laughs> it was all lighthearted and it's like a family drama. It's from like 2013. So I started watching that one on Netflix, Josh. And I'm like, what the hell is going <laughs> on? <laughs> so it is not... The house that Jack built on Netflix, um, but you could see this on like Amazon. Okay, that's my number six. And um, Wolfman Josh, what is your number six? My number six is the film you just mentioned, Hereditary. I there were times throughout the course of this year where this was as low as number thirty-five on my list because my <laughs> experience with it was so awful. Wow! But yeah, it. 
you know, I just had to be real with myself. This is one of the best horror films of the year. And a lot of people I'm sure are going to say it's the best horror film of the year. I've heard people say it's the best horror film of the decade. Um, it's hard to ignore hereditary. And I, like I said, it was down at 35 at one point and it just kept climbing up and I'd rearrange my list and it would keep climbing up and I'd rearrange my list. And uh, yeah, it got up as far as number six because I just, I couldn't ignore uh, the quality of, of the film and the originality. It, it's it, there are, there are some horror tropes that are oft visited, but there are other things in this movie, a lot of things in this movie that I've just never seen before in a movie. Mm-hmm. And to do that in this day and age is really impressive. And it doesn't, it doesn't feel like it's even riffing off of something like Mandy, which I love shows us a lot of things like really unique visions. But at the same time, you're like, well, this is riffing off this and this and this, and here are all the influences hereditary yeah, there were some, not to say this film has no influences, but there were just such original image, images and scares in this film. And not just scares like jump scares, like scares like to the core of my person, I will never be the same again. <laughs> right. <laughs> For having seen them scares. <laughs> that, yeah, that puts Hereditary at my number six. Mm-hmm. And, and also just a, a uh, almost a career performance for Tony Collette. Oh, yeah. Who I think is very underrated and in, in, in a very underrated actress. I think she's been strong in so many movies. Everything. But here she's just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And in yeah. fact, go ahead. What go were you going to say? No, go ahead. Um, so what was the film that she was in recently that was very, um, I'm just looking here. Um, so, so I, <laughs> oh yeah, Krampus. So because of Hereditary, when I revisit Krampus, it's much creepier. There's something about this lady. And I feel terrible about that because I know she's just a sweet gal. You know, I'm sure she's great. But like if she were my aunt or something, I would not go to her house anymore after this film. Because, I mean, she brings it so much in this film. And when I see her in Krampus and she does some of the similar expressions, you know, in Krampus yeah. when she's just like frustrated or whatever, I'm like, oh, oh no. Like this is... Well- <laughs> revisit the sixth sense jay like yeah that she scared the uh, crap yeah. out of me back then absolutely <laughs> right yeah absolutely that whole scene in the car at the end it's amazing i mean this is really saying something but um i think that she's a little bit scarier than tilda swinton and that's <laughs> and that's saying something yeah. <laughs> so anyway wow. there's a quote for the dvd cover <laughs> <laughs> so josh like obviously I understand and recognize why this film is troubling and off-putting and all that stuff. But is there, is there anything beyond the usual stuff that everybody's experiencing? Because it almost sounds like this afflicted you in a particular, uh, like a particular way. Well, I mean, I really key into the family dynamics nowadays that I'm a father and, you know, this was kind of almost the year of, parental horror for me. Um, Mm -hmm. There were so many movies that touched that nerve, Mm -hmm. which I love, but um, unlike the other films, there was no hope in hereditary. It is so dark and um, there are such sad, like deeply sad things that happen in the film, not only to the dynamic of the family and their relationships with one another, but then just 
the worst things possible happen to them, Jay. And it's, you know, it's your definition of <laughs> or happens to those who deserve at least man does the, the most horrific things happen to these people. And then to see that it's generational, that's terrifying to me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, there, there are two images that I just will never be able to get out of my head. And one of them, like, I truly wish I could get out. Of my head. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, the it's crazy i mean it's it was a crazy experience i'm with you and i i love that it was shot in salt lake city i mean you know as a as a person who often calls utah home to have a film on this level to add to our you know silent night deadly night and halloween four and five and six list like you're like okay like now we've got like a really heavy hitter (laughs) carnival of souls right isn't that out here carnival souls was like the classy pick before this but you know right most (laughs) most people think of salt lake and it's like halloween four and five you know and so yeah i'm glad that we have a movie which i love those movies on like a camp level and you know as a fan of the franchise but like this is a super super high quality film and and a lot of it was filmed in recognizable locales in park city for me and you know place i I worked at park city mountain resort for four years in high school and college so you know it's it's fun to just see recognizable vistas and and homes and and buildings i guess (laughs) yes on that level as well one quick note about hereditary because you know it sounds like we all love it um I was shocked this year to hear that that some people in the theater were like laughing during this film. They thought it was funny, like uh, like you know, yeah. and unintentionally. And and Ooh. I just I don't. I got I, that in my theater. Yeah. I can't. I can't even. I can't get I, I that. Can, I can't understand that either. No. Well, you know what? I think it is. Is that got this got a ton of critical acclaim, and I think you had a situation where people who normally wouldn't go to a horror film were going to this and the type, those types of people are probably only used to seeing like a truth or dare or a paranormal activity type of film and weren't ready for the depths of sorrow that this film went to, you know? And so, mm-hmm. I, you know, that's my theory. And so you feel like it was almost like a nervous laughter it could been, or it could have been like almost, almost like a, like a way to deal with it. <laughs> How to know, cope. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> well, I no, but that's too. I think that's part of it. But I also just think they're just not, you know, I mean, let's say you go and you were to watch a Greek theater performance. If you're not accustomed to that, you might think it's kind of weird at first, you know, it's like, and then, and then one, once you've seen it a hundred times, you start to understand the depth and, you know, the del- the intricacies of what's going on there. Like the thing that I always compare it to, uh, <laughs> this is, sorry, this is such a weird, we're going way off track here. Uh, the, the Mori uh, Maori uh, dance, the Haka has been recently. A lot of people have been talking about because Jason Momoa did it at two or three of the Aquaman premieres around the world. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a Mori dance that it's not even a dance. It's a war chant that's performed in battle but it's been done now also as like a sign of respect and you'll see it at funerals or weddings as well. And um, within the Modi culture, but um, they do a lot of things that sometimes people laugh at when they see, which is they make, they make their eyes really big and they stick out their tongues. And I've often had that experience where people are like, what? This is so weird. Like they look goofy. And it's, it's just, 
I think it's not being familiar with it, but if you're in the Polynesian culture, or let's say you've you know watched the rugby team, the All Blacks do that haka <laughs> that they do Kamate enough, it starts to be like a really terrifying look. And that was you know traditionally the idea is that they were trying to startle their uh, their enemy on the field of battle, right? But um, it's to me it's scary as crap to see someone do a haka. And a lot of people will laugh the first time they see it. And I think that, I don't know. I'm sorry. That's so far. off. No, I loved it. I actually, what you said makes perfect sense. That's amazing. That's a great parallel. All right. Well, that's, um, that's hereditary. And that was, uh, Josh's number six, right, Josh? Correct. Okay. So now we're into our top five. We're an hour and 43 minutes into the show and we got our, (laughs) our top five left here so uh, number five for the listeners is annihilation and ollie from france wrote a stunning photography and an intriguing plot this movie was also truly scary at times especially let me see yeah especially the scene with that mutated animal which could scream with a human voice (laughs) that's yes um that is horrifying. Oh, man. That, yeah, <laughs> like, absolutely. And then um, we got, uh, let's see here. Kane Hero wrote about Annihilation. The best science fiction horror film of the entire year is super weird, quote unquote, but thoroughly enjoyable and nearly Lovecraftian. So that's Annihilation. That's the listener's number five pick. Um, I would love, I, I wish... I could see all the listeners as they're hearing this podcast and see how they react to the listener list. And, and I wonder, uh, you know, people can let us know. I wonder if, if you all like feel ownership of the collective listener list, like if you sent in your picks or if that only happens, like if you chose annihilation on your number five on your list is number five, then you're like, yeah, right on. <laughs> like, like, what do you guys, I don't know. Do you guys have any theories? probably not yeah i don't know that's curious i know i know that a lot of the listeners really enjoy hearing the listener list but maybe that is frustrating if you're one of the people who doesn't line up with the consensus at all i'm sure there are those people right did you see lists where you're like nope this is none of the picks are on the listener list (laughs) well if if, you know what and if you didn't send in a list what's Mm -hmm. that whole thing that if you don't vote you can't complain right right exactly that's right that's right well it's it's amazing it's a little humbling to me to see the listener list and then to like see see ones that are really high on my list and like they'll have like two points total (laughs) or something and i and i just i just assume i just assume well not enough people have seen that film you know that's 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 what i would do too to sort of make myself feel a little better (laughs) right so anyways (laughs) Okay, so Dave, what is your number five? My number five is another movie I've seen recently. And wow, that's all I can say about this film is the effect it had on me. It It's amazing. And it is Incident in a Ghostland. <laughs> this, this film starts off incredibly strong. I mean, incredibly strong. It even tells you where it's going to go. Yet you're still not prepared for where it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I know, Josh, uh, we were texting back and forth about this one, and I know you had a little bit of problem with the second half, and I can't really argue with any of your points. Uh, but yet, I was so invested in these characters from that first part that I went with it with the second part. And again, like with a lot of horror movies, it does something a little bit, you know, it's not just the horror. It's this whole sibling um, interaction between these two sisters in this film that really resonated with me and where that uh, relationship eventually goes. It starts off, you know, it's a a real rivalry and then just sort of uh, comes around at the end. And man, this is from the director of Martyrs. Mm-hmm. And it's not quite as brutal as that film, but it's not far off either. I mean, it's a brutal, disturbing movie, and it really shocked the hell out of me. I blind, I, I had I, this was a blind buy for me months ago, and I finally got around to watching it. And I'm happy that I actually picked this up. Not that it's a movie that I'm going to revisit often, <laughs> but it's one that I will revisit again. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it even has a, a sort of twist in it that I, took me completely off guard. I l- absolutely love this film. It's my number five, and I'm looking forward to seeing it again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dave, I, I don't, uh, you know, I want to say, although it's not my cup of tea stylistically, like it's just I find it kind of an off-putting uh type of horror like subgenre of horror well, you, you had mentioned you had mentioned it's almost like a rob zombie-esque type of film yeah, and, that, and that's half. not far yeah. off the second half yeah. of it and, that, and you're not far off you really aren't so even though that's not really my favorite i'm not at all arguing with you that it's number one very scary and very yeah. troubling you know it, yeah. it is both you know unsettling and frightening at once and i just thought that the first half was so smart and when i realized where it was going about 10 minutes before it went where it was going i was so excited to see the second half and and that didn't pan out for me but i don't want to take anything away from how scary the movie is because it it really works on its own terms it's just not my and and like right out of the gate that's that's what got me is like it even sets it up there's a scene in the the gas station where it sets up and but it doesn't matter Mm. because you're still not prepared for what happens <laughs> yeah and it's so different from other types of movies in this genre at that opening portion <laughs> sorry i know it's very vague for people who haven't seen it but right um, right the, the subgenre of horror that it's in it handles it totally differently than we're used to seeing well i'll give a little um psa to the listeners and not say anything else at this point about this film but i will say initially i was like you know, when I saw this title incident in a ghost land, I'm like, nah, I'm not, I'm not watching that. You know, like I was so like dismissive because I didn't like the title. I was wrong. Lizards, if you haven't seen this and that title bothers you for some reason, just put that aside. Don't worry about that. And I'll talk to you more about it later. I back you hundred percent on this pick, Dave. Nice. Thank you. Nice. All right. So my number five, you know, it's it's really hard when we're talking about a film and, you know, I have it coming up later. It's hard not to just like spill everything about it. <laughs> but but my number five we've talked about already and it is hereditary. And um, there is there is one scene um, which is the the scene. OK, you know, that happens like a, about in the middle ish of the film. <laughs> 
And um, I'll, I'll just say, I had a really neat experience with this. Like when I was, um, I have come to learn, and I'm sure everybody else has too, because you're all cinephiles as well. I've come to learn that more often than not, when a filmmaker takes a, a moment to show you something or pause on something, then that thing is going to have relevance. And so in the middle of the film, and don't worry, I'm not going to go into this very far. When they're driving, it just it shows us a telephone pole for a second. <laughs> it shows us that pole. And I'm like, uh-oh. You know, like I just, I just, I, I just knew yeah. something was coming. And yeah. all oh my goodness, um, when the scene happens, I had, I, I was unaware of my physical reaction like i was completely out outside of my like like my mouth was completely open and i had my hand over my mouth and i never do that like who does that right in real life but that's how horrified i was and i loved it man when i oh that movie is so and 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 this is the kind of film where in the background up in the corners of the screen (laughs) you'll see the scariest stuff I love Hereditary. Yeah. This this film is amazing, so unsettling. It haunts you. This has stayed with me the entire year. I've thought about this film a lot, um, and it is my number five. Love it. And I just want to say, like there, that scene that you're referring to completely rocked me emotionally. But that's not even the one I wish I could scrub from my soul. <laughs> that scene was. Right. The- that there are other there are other there are other scenes in this movie i think that are much more just yeah very i mean that's a very disturbing sequence no doubt about it mm-hmm. yeah man i've worked with one of the ladies in this movie actually um that's part of the group in the film and i can never i never want to see her again <laughs> like I, I like she was so nice to work with it was like one of you know one of earlier film where i was like on props or wardrobe or something on you know a smaller independent film and she was so kind and sweet. And now I can all, all, all I can do is imagine her waving at the young girl. And I just <laughs> never want to run into her ever again. <laughs> you're, you're like, nope, nope. <laughs> That's hilarious. Okay. Well, man, Josh, what is your number five? Uh, my number five is Halloween. Nice. And, uh, you know, the original John Carpenter film is interchangeably my number one or two of all time with his other film, the thing um, depending on my mood, but it's essentially, you know, one of my very favorite films of all time. And I enjoy many of the sequels, as I've mentioned earlier on this show, I've always kind of subscribed to the sisters trilogy, which is Halloween, Halloween two and Halloween H two O. And I, and I believe that if you just watch those three films, you can get this perfect, Halloween trilogy, and you can kind of excise the rest of the franchise. Um, having said that, this film excises the sister element from the storyline, and I think it works nearly just as well. And I'm hoping there'll be a third film in this new franchise as well, the new trilogy, I should say. And, man, I um, I just really enjoyed a lot of what they did here. Were there missteps? I think there were. There were a few things as a Halloween fan, they drive me crazy. But if I compare that to the franchise as a whole, this is easily one of the best films of the franchise. I think it's the third best after the first in H2O personally. Um, I think this is 
fantastic entry and I love how original and inventive it, it is. And I love what Danny McBride and David Gordon Green brought to it. I love seeing Jamie Lee Curtis back. I loved every person on the cast and the way they approached the story. So um, hats off to Blumhouse. I think they really nailed it here. I'm excited that I've heard that they're also pursuing the Universal Monsters and Jason Voorhees. I feel like those would be in good hands with Blumhouse after I having really some hope they get the Universal. Mo- I hope they get the Universal Monsters. That would be awesome. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, Great. that's my number five. All right, number five is Halloween for Wolfman Josh. And that brings us to the listeners' number four pick. And at 297 votes, or points, I should say, um, we have Mandy. They chose Mandy. Nice. And um, are, are you guys surprised by that, by the way? No, I'm not. I, I, I can say it absolutely. It's, it's a very original, unique, um, awesome movie. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, you know, Halloween, for instance, would have been higher on my list, maybe, but I decided to reward original films. So even though, you know, it's down at number five because it's a remake or a, you know, a reimagining and a sequel as opposed to a wholly original concept like Mandy, which I think is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Well, um, Luke from the Dead Last podcast writes about Mandy. He says, color plays a big role in this film. And not just in a stylized way, but it is super, super stylized, but subconsciously manipulating our emotions. There are some interesting theories on this film and its ending, but I'll leave that to the manic bloggers. I have a theory about what this film is, and we'll talk about it. Um, So he's going to talk about it on his podcast, uh, the Dead Last podcast. Uh, But he says, it's more fun to make up your own theories. And if you look up different theories about a movie as soon as the credits roll... To me, it's worthy of a top three spot. This is the most unique and unabashed crazy horror film of the year. See Mandy, says Luke from the Dead Last podcast. Nice. And then we have Frank the Fiend who wrote, This was my best watching experience this year because I let my wife go into it blind. Such as... (laughs) 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 Such as with the film Term... Turbo Kid. I found myself in love with the storytelling and the style. There's just so much style. So that's Mandy. And that's the listener's number four pick. Um, that's really high on the listener. I was I was a little surprised to see it that high on their list, but there it is. Okay. Dr. Shock, what is your number four? My number four would actually get my vote for probably the most beautifully shot film of the most beautifully shot horror film of the year and that is apostle nice. uh which is one that we covered not too long ago um again this is one that deals almost uh, in that cult sort of environment uh a guy goes to rescue his sister who is he thinks has been abducted by this cult she um you know is not sure if she went there voluntarily or if she was abducted uh you have uh, this 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 trio of gentlemen who created this uh, sort of what they feel is a utopia environment on this on this faraway locale, but there's just something more going on, and I think it's that something more that really drew me to the movie as as that unfolded. Again, it's beautifully shot. You have uh, Michael Shannon delivering a, a it's Michael Shannon, not Michael Shannon. 
Sheen. Sheen. Michael Sheen. That's it. Michael Sheen Mm -hmm. delivering an incredible performance. And I really liked how dark the movie got as it went along. And I think it sort of fit in with everything else that that had happened previously. Uh, It creates this little world. You know, there's this little community where you you feel like you get to know like every sort of nuance. It's it's a movie that another movie that I I love. One of my all time favorite movies is McCabe and Mrs. Miller by by Robert Altman, where he creates this town, and he builds this set, and you get that same feeling from Apostle with this set that he builds. That Definitely. you sort of you sort of invested in it, and it becomes like a character in the movie. And I just love, there's so much about this. And it's one of those movies I'd love to own, but being a Netflix, I don't know if it'll ever be released. They still haven't put Gerald's game out, which is another one I'm waiting for them to put out. So whoever, who knows if it's going to ever be released on, on, uh, you know, uh, uh, DVD or Blu-ray, but it doesn't matter because it's, it's a movie that just affected me in a big way. And um, yeah, so that's my number four apostle. When I was, Dave, when I was a little kid and and something would kind of freak me out, I would feel that like that cold chill going up the spine kind of thing where my hair would raise and stuff. Right. Um, I, I feel like, you know, wh- where this where this film goes, what you what is eventually revealed to you, what you see in it, you know, initiates that kind of a weird, creepy chill. You're like. Yeah, I was so delighted and surprised by this film. I wasn't expecting much. I don't know why. I, I mean, I've I've loved a lot of the films on Netflix this year, yeah. um, like The Ritual, for example. But so when I watched this, I wasn't expecting a lot. But yeah, I was very impressed. Yeah, I, I feel I agree with you. I feel the same way. All right, so that's Dave's number four, and it's called Apostle. So now, um, Josh, it's weird. You and I, our laps, have, our lists have been overlapping the past couple here. So my number four is Halloween 2018. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> you know, I just want to say I, I like Halloween. I always say this. I, I like the original Halloween, of course. I'm not obsessed with it like a, a lot of people are. And that's, you know, that's okay. But, but I, I do like it a lot. And what really surprised me the most is how much I enjoyed it. I mean, I was looking forward to it and I was hoping it would be good, but I had a blast. This was one of the most um, memorable and enjoyable feelings I had in the theater this year. I I happened to be visiting home in West Virginia. I saw it in my hometown theater and um, it it was just, it was one of my the highlights of my entire year is like in my top five memories this year. And I actually enjoy it. Uh, this may be heresy. I've said it before, but I actually enjoy watching this more than I enjoy watching the original. Now I will admit, I know that this would not have any of the power without having the original film. Obviously. I mean, there's, there's context and history. So you can't say that this is, this film is better than the original. I wouldn't say that, but I will say I enjoy it more. So I, I loved Halloween. It's like, wow, this is this is a great slasher. Between this and The Strangers Pray at Night, it's like we're getting good slasher films in a modern age. I love it. So that's my number four, Halloween. All right, Wolfman Josh, what is your number four? My number four is another film that could have been higher were it not 
a reimagining of an old property, and that's Suspiria. Um, this was a movie that completely mesmerized me. It did The Impossible, which is remake uh, what I consider to be a classic, a, a classic that is known for being visually stunning. I think that what's so fascinating about this film is that it's equally visually stunning in a completely different way. I think they did something almost opposite of the original film, which was a smart move, you know, now thinking about it, but I don't know that I, if I were the filmmaker, I don't know that I would have thought of that. I'd have been trying to capture that original look, you know, which a film like Mandy is maybe closer to the original look of, of the original Suspiria than is the Suspiria remake. Um, they added so much to the mythology that the original film lacked in terms of narrative and backstory and, um, you know, and just details about the world, including dancing, which, you know, I've always thought, as I think I said this on a review, I always thought of the first film as a dance film until I saw the new film. And the new film really lives in the world of dance in the way that Black Swan does. And I think this is you know, the best use of dance and horror since Black Swan. And I, I just loved it. I love Suspiria. And I, and I didn't think I, I was really afraid as much as I love Halloween and it's my favorite horror film of all time. I've seen so many Halloween sequels and reimaginings, and I really trusted those filmmakers. I wasn't quite as nervous as I was about Suspiria was really terrified they were going to screw it up. And I don't think they did. I think they did a great job. I'm so happy I, that you like yeah, that. And I, and this is one that I really regret not having seen uh, before, <laughs> you know, that this, this episode, because I, I, I did watch the trailer and I thought it was, you know, I thought it was great. I really, uh, it's one of the, it's a movie that I'm, I can't wait until it's finally released in my area. I live, you know, living in the boondocks, you don't get these kind of movies um, at least not playing for more than a week at a theater that's 30 miles away. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to seeing it. Yeah. And when, when you do get to see it, Dave, make like if, if you end up seeing it on Blu-ray or whatever, like, yeah, make sure you see it on a really good, you know, high definition, like it, it, as good as possible. Mm -hmm. Cause yeah, it's okay. It is beautiful. It's visually, visually beautiful. Like I'm sure you, phone. I'm sure you weren't going to watch it on your phone. Yeah, no, like, <laughs> no, not at all. Right, like watch it on your black and white TV. I mean, my phone is pretty good, but I still wouldn't want to uh, watch this movie on that. Right, <laughs> right. Okay. All right. We are now to the top three horror movies of 2018. Um, Do you guys have a sense of what the listeners have chosen for their top three? Have you guys, have you guys been noticing any conspicuous I'm absences. A, I have a general idea what the top three might be, but I'm, I'm, I've I'm two or th I've got three. I know one for sure is in there. Yes. Okay. Yes. But there are other two others. I'm not totally sure. I'm kind of guessing about, I'm curious. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, here you go. So they're number three picks. So, so let me just be clear here. So Mandy was their number four pick, right? And that had, 297 points okay okay but their number three pick jumped up to 404 points <laughs> over a hundred more points i mean like oh man 
and it is Halloween 2018. Oh, nice. I had forgotten about that one. <laughs> Frank <laughs> Frank yeah. tweets just said, um, well, just wrote, uh, this movie, which did exactly what it needed to do, would be a top three most years. <laughs> I particularly... I particularly love how the film redid the dated aspects of uh, Jamie Lee's meek, virginal, final girl character from the original by giving her granddaughter a stronger personality. That was neat. Um, and then Maurice in Buffalo, New York You're says... Top three this year, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I believe... I believe um, know it at the time. Yeah, yeah, he nailed it. Um, Maurice uh, from Buffalo, New York said, uh, Michael Myers is back and so is Laurie Strode in the year's best sequel, he says. So, there you go. That's Halloween, the listener's number three pick. 404 points. That is huge. <laughs> okay. Nice. All right, Dr. Shock, what is your number three? My number three is going to take us south of the border. It is Good Manners, mm, a, nice. uh, a werewolf film, if you were, that's set, split into two parts. Uh, you're dealing with uh, a young mother uh, or a young, well, yeah, a young pregnant woman um, who's, uh, you know, the, this uh, nurse comes in to sort of help her out and they develop a much stronger relationship. Uh, but there's something very unusual about her pregnancy and you find out what that is um, at about the halfway point. And then in the second half of the movie, it just goes in another direction completely. Uh, but I liked both halves of this film. I thought both of them were very strong. There's music in it. It's sort of, it all even has a musical vibe to it. Um, and just the more I thought about it, again, the, C the CGI in some scenes is not great. I don't think it detracts from the film. I think I mentioned that when I first talked about this movie in... Uh, a couple episodes ago. Um, but it's the characters themselves. And, you know, what happens in the second half of a movie, again, is something that in most films would be a mystery to the audience. And we would have, you know, sort of negative feelings about one character and we'd sympathize with another. But because we've seen the first half of the movie, we understand everything that this other character is going through, um, you know, with this, with a child, with this child. And it, it adds something to it because the rest of the world doesn't understand, but we do. And we're, we're sort of supporting that character saying, no, don't let the child do this. Don't, you know, sort of keep, you know, uh, uh, keep it where you keep it under lock and key. Like you are, don't let it, uh, you know, uh, I don't want to go enough. too far with it. I said <laughs> enough, but yeah, this is, this is my number three. There was just so much. And it's a long movie. I mean, it's over two hours. I think it's like two hours and 15 minutes. But there wasn't a single moment in it where I was bored. Um, so that's my number three is Good Manners. Man, that is the one of the most unique films I saw this year. I it is it, it didn't make my list, but and and honestly, it was um, three things that kept it. It was the CGI. There were moments of the CGI that bothered me. There were moments of the child performance that bothered me, and it was and you know and it was a lot of it was mostly a drama, which is fine. Um, I, that, that doesn't bother me. It's just, it's the only thing that kept it off my list. Um, I enjoyed it thoroughly. It's a, the most unique take on a werewolf movie I've ever seen as well. I've never seen anything like this. So <laughs> right. even more unique than teen wolf two with Jason Bateman. 
Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was basically the same yeah. team of one. It was, it was, right. it, but but worse. If Jason Bateman had, had sung in that movie, it would probably be good manners. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> right. Yeah. right. Well, there was singing. There was there. Well, he dances to, uh, you know, the now that I can dance song. I can't think what right. that's. Right. Yeah. Do you right. love me? Right. Like, Do you love me? Yeah. Right. right. That, uh, but, um, that, you know, also, I expected this to be a musical. I thought someone had said, was it in your review, Dave, when people were talking about this being a musical, there is a little bit of singing in it, but I would by no what in no way would classify good matter. No, IMDb classifies as a musical. Um, and and the few musical sequences that are in it are sort of narrative. Um, you yeah, know, they just feel like on... part of the reality of the world, they don't exactly, exactly. I wouldn't call it a musical. No. Well, yeah, I love that pick, Dave. Awesome job, man. That's that's a really interesting pick. Good Thank manners, you. number three. Okay, Dave. Thank you. And and for my number three, um, number three is what I felt was the scariest horror film of the year of 2018, and that was that Indonesian film, Satan's Slaves. Um, nice, man. That's nice. That's a good pick, man. Seriously. I don't, I, I genuinely, I know like some things creep me out and I always talk about which things creep me out and stuff, but like through the duration of a film, I'm usually not scared watching horror movies for some reason, Mm -hmm. but, but this one, I felt scared watching it. I, I did. It was so, and especially, um, in the beginning of the film with the, the, um, this, the sickly mother in the bed was just. Because I've actually, I've had a similar circumstance with my grandmother. And um, man, because of that personal, you know, element and having experienced horrors along those lines, um, boy, this this unwrapped me. So like. Uh, and I th- the fact that the kids, like the younger kids didn't want to go up there. It's their mother. Right. And they didn't want to go anywhere near her, right. you know, with, with what she was going through. And, and you find out why, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, like even right now talking about it, I'm getting a little bit uneasy and weirded out. But but what, Josh, what were you going to say? I want to call, I want to tell people definitely watch the Indonesian language version. I know some people don't like reading subtitles. And so for me, you know, I was trying to cram so many movies in before the end of the year that the foreign language films were really suffering because I had to keep my eyes glued to the screen. I couldn't do anything else at all while I was watching the movie and I'm I, you know, busy. <laughs> so I was, I was like, well, I'll watch the uh, English dub version of this so that I can like wash the dishes for a minute while I'm watching the movie. And it was so bad. It's some of the worst English dubs I've ever heard uh, it's, do yourself a favor and watch the original language version. And that's what I watched. I'm sure that's what you watch too, Jay. And mm-hmm. and it's uh, I I always prefer the original language. And and you right. know I don't I don't have a problem with subtitles personally. I know some people do, and I can understand it to a point. Uh, but this one, yeah, uh, wow. I mean, there are moments in this, and we've talked about it before. I think in episode 163 that it's. Was it 163 or was it one? I can't remember what episode it was now. It was one of our shutter. I think it was your shutter pick, wasn't it, Jay? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it is, um, there are moments in this that you're just like, man, uh, you almost want to look away. Yeah, seriously, yeah. It's streaming on shutter. 
I hated the title. I still do. But it's a freaking scary horror film. Satan's Slaves number three. Watch it. Okay. Wolfman Josh, what is your number three? Mandy. I uh, was blown away by this film. I think it's visually sumptuous. And I love all of the references. And it's not usually my kind of thing. I'm not really a metal guy. I'm not really into fantasy. But this film takes heavy metal music, heavy metal, the magazine and an animated movie and melds that into like this real life mind boggling revenge fantasy film. Uh, you know, there, there are some carryovers from other films this year. We have a lot of revenge films. We have a lot of cult films. Uh, we have a lot of these films with really um, bold subjective lighting and I and I like all of those things. So it's been a really fun year for me. And Mandy was probably my favorite example of all of those together. So yeah, just a just a fun imaginative film. And as we said during our review, a film that meets Nicolas Cage in his craziness. It's, it's a film <laughs> that is just as crazy. Mm-hmm as its central character, which is difficult to do when Nick Cage is at the helm. Yes. And when, and when a movie meets Nick Cage, you know, you're in for something special. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Well said. All right. That was Josh's number three and it is Mandy. All right. Now we're at the listeners number two pick. And, and uh, so we went from 404 points with Halloween to, 437 points for A Quiet Place. The listeners, the listeners ranked that one really high. And so let me just see. I'm a, now, now for those who sent in explanations, like, you know, little write-ups about it, I just want you to know um, what I've done is I put all of those on the same document. And so each time I read off, you know, the listener pick, I just do, uh, you know, a control F and just try to find real quick one that I haven't read. So if, if you're like wondering why has any read mine yet or, you know, that's why. Because it's just it's kind of random. But um, we have Graham the Haunted Marshmallow wrote, this movie is an experience. A few times theatrical scripting and tell don't show directing decisions took me out of my immersion. But when this movie works, it really works. And then we have Dan, who wrote, This movie has a clever gimmick, but it mainly succeeds through a simple and stark dramatization of parents' concern for the welfare of their children. Well said. Yes, absolutely. Okay, that's A Quiet Place. That's the listener's number two pick. All right, Dr. Shock, what is... What is your number two, sir? My number two is actually very different. No, it's not. It's A Quiet Place. That's my number two film. Um, I agree. The experience in the in the theater this year, it's one of my favorites. Uh, probably my favorite of the year, actually, was seeing this film in the theater. Um, I liked the world it created. Uh, there's, I've heard a lot of criticism about something that happens in the film as far as something that the parents sort of go through in the second half. Uh, a lot of people are saying, how could they do that? Why would they do that? Um, they're putting everybody at risk. 
Um, but you know what? I've I've actually known. Let me just say this is going to be a spoiler for about thirty seconds here for a quiet place. So if you you don't want to hear, just cover your ears for a second. Um, you know the other they they have another child. Um, because they set up what happens at the beginning of this film where they lose, you know, they they lose a child. And they so they have another child in the movie, and if you know the world of the film, it doesn't make a lot of sense to put yourself through that. However, there's there's something emotional about losing a child, and I've known people. Uh, one person in particular, um, in my professional life, um, who had who had lost a child, and to sort of compensate for that, they went from having two to having seven children. Um, it's just something that that. Having never experienced it, I can't understand it, but there's something about that that just sort of drives people to, um, not drives people, but that that there's a void that people feel that, that there needs to be refilled, I guess. And I think that that's, you have to take that into account in this movie, even understanding the circumstances that plays a big part in the film. And, and it's it's such a strong family at the center of this such strong performances and really well developed um, on that level um, as far as the characters go. Um, and then you take into account just the world that they're living in. It's just brilliant. And I loved it. Uh, so yeah, that's my number two is a, is a quiet place. I agree with the, uh, with the audience. I'm, I'm just wondering if you guys think this, like, like I've, I've wondered about, it. I mean, John Krasinski's performance for those who don't know, he's Jim from The Office, right? His performance in this is just great. It's fine. He doesn't act like Jim or anything. But but I wonder, there's a part of me that's like, yeah, this could have been Jim and Pam or Jim and his wife many years down the line after this, you know, in, invasion or whatever has happened and these creatures have come. Like, it could be him being serious, but I, I wonder if this is so effective on on people because for so many years people who watched the office came to care about jim or john krasinski like come to care about him like like i immediately like i love that dude and and so like immediately when the film begins i love that dude and so i'm super invested in these yeah. people and in his family I mean, that's every movie star, right? I mean, I think that's why Bird Box, one of the reasons Bird Box works is because it's Sandra Bullock. And so it's just easier to care about someone you're familiar with, right? Mm. I think that's true. Yeah, yeah. That's neat. So, you know, it's Quiet Place. That's Dr. Shock's number two pick. Great, great pick. All right, my number two is Incident in a Ghostland. Whoa, nice. Absolutely. I freaking wow. love this. You know, this thing, let me, let me just, let me break it down here for a second. <laughs> I had a, okay, if you, so I, I know, I have family members um, who have been through traumatic experiences, horrifying experiences, and, and I've heard like, um, you know, accounts and, and just, just what it's like to be you know, trapped in that sort of a situation. And, and, you know, I won't go into any spoilers or anything, but the, the suffering that takes place in this film is, is truly like a, a nightmare on, on film, on screen. It's, it's like the depiction of a real life nightmare. I mean, it, it's the depiction of something that, 
that could potentially happen. And those are the scariest films for me. And, and the way that, um, people cope with trauma and, um, you know, being abused or terrorized or being harmed. Like, I feel like this, this film has a knowing ability to it. Like it has an insight and a depth to it that I, you know, that you don't often get in some horror films. Like I, I feel like this, it's not just like people put this together and thought, what would be a scary situation or what would freak this person out? This seems, and I don't know this for sure, but it just seems like it comes from a place of genuine knowledge and depth. And, and it is, it is terrifying and horrifying. And, and for me guys, like I was so worried about where this was going to go in terms of like, Oh, is it going to be stupid? Is it going to be the, you know, I, I was so like upset that it was going to do something I didn't like, but in it, and it ended up going every single direction that I was happy with. I love this film 100%. Um, it, this is, so for me, like the way I love films, this would have been my number one of the year. Um, I do think that in terms of like the best horror film, like a, a, a horror punch, I think this packs the best horror punch. My number one was scary and fun and, uh, you know, all that stuff. But so, but this one is, um, for me, you know, quite possibly the, the very best horror film of the year. I just happen to love the number one pick better, but that's called incident in a ghost land. And if you think the title sounds dumb, don't worry about the title. Just see it. <laughs> so there you go. I concur a hundred percent. All right, Wolfman Josh, what is your number two? I struggled with this one so much. In fact, I sent Jay a text about this um, <laughs> before we recorded because... Do it. Do it. Man, I, I just... <laughs> this this movie has been my number two since the day I saw it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to take it off. <laughs> but I asked Jay, I said, are people considering this a thriller? Is this showing up in people's horror adjacent category? Or is it showing up in their horror lists and he said by and large you know it's on the horror jason psa category and i thought damn it you know and i (laughs) i took it off the list and i looked at my list and it looked wrong to me (laughs) so that's right i I put it back searching is my number two this movie (laughs) nice affected me so deeply i love the that it perfects the screen life movie you know we've come close with a couple of other films, they've done done it pretty well. This one does it perfectly, and it's a good movie to boot, whereas some of those other films weren't great films either. And this one really pulled at my heartstrings. I was emotionally invested. You could say ultimately that it's not a horror film. My argument against that is that you don't know where this is going to end up, and experientially, it felt like a horror film to me the entire running time until the very end. And, you, and it could go... A, a myriad of directions. So it's kind of one of those weird things where it's like, well, if the last two minutes have been more horrific, everyone would say this is a horror movie, but you know, it, it's, it's not necessarily, it's more hopeful tonally. And you know, it goes maybe more of a crime thriller direction, arguably, but I don't know. There's a cheat to that, right? Because you don't know who you're dealing with as your threat for the majority of the film. And I'm expecting horror. And mm-hmm. so it felt like I was watching horror. Right. 
And so, yeah, so so that's my justification for it. I don't think I need to justify that it's a great movie. I loved this film, and it was my number two film of the year. That's Searching, and it was Search when it was at Sundance uh, earlier this year. I'm so glad that this caught on with audiences in the way that a lot of horror films did this year. I wish it had had the push that some of those other films had had. I think it could have done even better than it, it did, which was really well for its budget. It's a good movie for sure. Did you see that one, Dave? You know what? That's another one I have not seen. And um, that's another one I should have mentioned at the beginning. I didn't see it because it's one I'm really anxious to check out. Yeah. Yeah. Right, I, Dave, I have the Blu-ray. <laughs> yeah, I, I probably will. Well, I, I just couldn't believe that that whole screen life thing was pulled off so effectively. I, I just, I, I couldn't believe that a film, I, I've just been skeptical from the other experiences I've had, but this does it. And, and Josh, I, I see your logic in it. And the whole time, the whole time I was, um, you know, just scared and very concerned. It could be anybody. It could be, it could be Buffalo Bill. It could be, mm-hmm. you know, it could be um, the Texas Chainsaw family. It mm. could be anybody. You don't know who your threat is. And so. Right. Right. Depending on your mindset. Mine is in a horror mindset. I was expecting the worst. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. That's Josh's number two pick. And that is searching. And that brings us to the number one horror film of 2018 and we're going to the listeners here okay now let me just give you some numbers this is gonna blow your minds okay so the number two pick of theirs was a quiet place right and that had 437 points this jumped by far clear-cut victory no question about it hereditary is their number one pick with 565 points isn't that incredible? And and let me just yeah. get let me get let me give you some other uh, reference here that might interest you guys and the listeners. I hope this had for people putting it as their number one film. Twenty one people put that as their number one film. Wow, <laughs> twenty one. That's a ton. And and just to give you like context, the number two film there, uh, A Quiet Place, that had um one two three four five six seven people put that as their number one so yeah like hereditary has like a lot of love from the horror movie podcast audience that is their number one and let me just read some comments here well you know jay how you said like how do they feel if it wasn't their number one just from my personal experience i had it at number six but i i get it like i see it that's that i can't argue no i agree yeah, I agree. It's it's hard to argue with that. There's there's a lot in that movie that's just oh super creepy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Wilhelm Scream wrote, "What can I say about Hereditary that hasn't been said already more eloquently by others ad nauseum for half the year? The best of the year, without a doubt, and one of the standouts of the decade." Jordan Allen said. Hereditary was probably the most disturbing film of the year. Very few films can capture emotional distress and depression like Hereditary. Mind-blowing acting by Tony Collette. Awesome storyline. And it had a few scenes that almost had me jumping out of my seat. (laughs) And yes, totally agree. So that's the listeners. Number one, Hereditary. Boom. You got it. You picked it. 
Are you guys interested or not in hearing who had Hereditary as their number one? I think it'll be okay. You want to go through that? <laughs> I just, I just thought maybe those people might want some sort of like a victory dance, saying like, "Ha ha!" Yeah, sure. Give it, give it as a victory dance, I like that. I can, then and, I can get behind it. As a victory dance, here it is. So we had Anthony R, the Beijing Beast, Donnie Darko, Belmar, New Jersey, Jody Horror Guy, Kane Hero, Trevor R. Amanda W. from Austin, Creepy Carrie, Jason T. Strong, Inbred Coop, Juan from Texas, Mained Marti, Mixed Choice, Pastor Matt, Rob from Belgium, Sal Roma, Sarah Scarebear from Oz, The Mad Cytologist, Vicious Victor, Wilhelm Scream, Graham the Haunted Marshmallow, and Jonathan Watkins. And honestly, this thing showed up in everybody's number two number three number i mean it it showed up in basically in most people's lists let me just say that very impressive all right and now we're ready to hear dr shucks number one movie over on movie podcast weekly we call it the b modi best movie of the year but this is the best horror movie of the year from dr shock what is it the b ho modi (laughs) for me (laughs) my number one is actually the listeners and Josh's number 10 and it is terrified. Oh wow. Whoa. Yeah, this this film had such a rich world and so much going on in it that I think you can make a trilogy out of this whole thing and and it would still remain engaging. But and I could finally tell this. This is something that uh, that happened to me a couple weeks after I saw this movie and part of the reason it stayed with me I had a nightmare involving or, or, or along the lines of uh, it involved the corpse in this film Yikes! that ended up being in my house. Oh, and man. let me tell you, that in, alone is enough to scare the living hell out of you if you've seen oh, this film. Man. Yeah. But even aside from that, there's it's just such a rich world and there's. You've got so many genres sort of melding here. You've got zombies, supernatural, beastly freaks all coming together in this neighborhood. Different characters are introduced as the main characters, and it's just constantly evolving. And it's just so appealing to me that that how this film was was sort of crafted that I just I'm really anxious. I would love to see them. I, I'm I'm going to check out the remake. But I would love to see even sequels and other advances, even where it ends. The very last scene never lets you off the hook. There's not a moment in this movie that lets you off the hook as far as the horror is concerned. And I abs- I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And this was not always my number one. But eventually, the more I thought about it and just everything, it just shot up to number one. And I said, I, it's got to be for me. This, this is the most, um, I guess, the movie that affected me the most this year um is is terrified and um i hope i get a chance to own it at some point dave i i back you on this for sure i i watched this because of you guys recommending it to me and i'm really glad i did it is one of the scarier films i saw this year for sure Mm -hmm. and and one thing i really love about it you know in most horror films like the really interesting part is the the monster or whatever the evil force is and then your characters are just more or less, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, people to be dispatched. But I actually loved the characters in this. I love the um, 
you know the the scientific team so to speak and the and right. the, the cop I, I just i love these characters i i felt like they were um i don't know they seem real to me and I and agree. and yeah i i just uh, this is a very impressive film i hope everybody sees it i love that element of it too jay it reminds me of two films recently that had that similar element for me were witching and bitching and Baskin. And ultimately I didn't like either of those films nearly as much as terrified, but they both had that same kind of interesting police officer kind of feel to them that I was really responding to. Um, not interesting police officer, interesting character uh, thing that was going on with the police officers in this movie that I really responded to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you I know, felt akin to those for some reason. I'm I'm with you on that. And another thing that um, stood out to me is like you know how, and and this may be just a a factor of it being a foreign film, perhaps. But like you know how like when you're used to a genre, it becomes really familiar to you. And and do you remember uh, the wailing? I know Josh loves the wailing. Do you remember how that felt? Just different. It felt otherworldly. Yes. Yes. I feel like this has a different approach to its horror as well, even though, you know, on paper, it's, you know, similar kind of things that we've seen before. But the way it scares us with these things, I don't I don't know why it's different or why it felt different. It's really hard to articulate, but but it got to me in ways where, I, you know, my guard is usually up. It's like it didn't take the well-worn path that I'm used to, basically. Right. right. And you know what? There's one a moment in this movie that I can't get out of my mind. And yes, it, you know, the one with the corpse I mentioned that, that I had the nightmare. And I know you guys are going to know what I'm talking about is there's a scene where something comes rushing towards the car mm-hmm. that yes. I wasn't expecting. It's such a bizarre moment in the film. I was like, wow, this movie is just so creative and so original and so amazing. Mm-hmm. that I knew it was going to be on my top 10. I didn't know at that time it was going to be my number one, but here we are. So Dave, what do you think about the Guillermo del Toro remake? Does that excite you or worry you? If I had heard remake, I would have been worried. When I hear Guillermo del Toro remake, I have a little more hope. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it's necessary. I don't think it's necessary. And I don't know how it's going to improve on the original other than it being English language. And now it's going to get a wider audience. Hopefully yeah. it'll drive more people back to the original mm-hmm. also. Yeah. But with the, with Del Toro involved, I'm still, he's done enough for me to be excited about anything he's involved in. Right. Maybe it'll have that. Let the right one in. Uh, let me in factor where just right. It's good, but also it just drives a whole new audience to the original. Exactly. That's my hope. That's my hope. Well, one other thing I want to say about this, because Dave, this one, this one was fighting to be in my top 10 as well. I mean, it's, it it just missed it barely, but, but I will say something amazing to me that this film does when, you know how, when you're a little kid and you're afraid that something's under your bed and well, how can a horror movie how can it actually make you afraid of that as an adult? I actually watched that terrified early this morning, right? I believe it was mm-hmm. this morning. And so um, I'm not looking forward to when I need to go to bed and, and think about that, that whole bedroom scene 
Um, all, yeah, exactly. There's a whole perspective thing. Right. You know, you're going around, you look one way, it's this, you look another way, it's that. Um, and that was, that was amazing, but I know exactly what scene you're talking about, Jay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and, and, you know, I just like, <laughs> yeah, like there's, um, like, a uh, not found, it's not a found footage film, but there is a, a filmed element and, and what that captures is just horrifying to me. Anyways, great pick. I back you all the way. Terrified people. Uh, check it out. That's Dave's number one horror movie of 2018. And that brings me to my number one, and that is A Quiet Place, without question. Um, <clears throat> this for sure, like I I, I knew when I saw this film, I'm like, <sighs> that, that it hit every, it checked every single box for me. You got horror um, in the daylight. You've got horror happening to those who deserve at least. You've got children in peril. You've got a serious quote unquote horror film that isn't afraid to to do the unthinkable. You you've got beastly freaks. I mean, this has this is like has me written all over it. It's got actors I love. It's got um I mean, th- this is this is an amazing film. This is one of my favorite films that I've seen in you know, I mean, it was my number one over on Movie Podcast Weekly as well. I just, I, it had to be my number one film. It's, it's the top, it's the best film of the year for me, for sure. And, and I know people have talked about ad, ad nauseum. So the last thing I'll say about it, but and not rant on and on, is I just, what I love most is how it captures the parental fear of not being able to, um, or hoping that you can not just protect your children, but teach them well enough that they can eventually be independent and safe on their own. I mean, set aside monsters and beastly freaks just in the world today. If you have kids or you can imagine what this is like, I'm sure like if you have kids, like I need to train my kids to function as adults. Hopefully they'll be good people, but also they'll be safe and be, you know, aware of all the, the pitfalls and, and, quote unquote monsters that exist for real in this world. I mean, this film illustrates all of that. It blew my mind. I loved it. I I saw it twice in the theater and then I showed it to my kids. (laughs) So my my wife, my even my wife loves a quiet place and uh, my kids loved it too. So I'm anxious to show it to my wife and kids. uh, If I could just get them past the fact it's a horror movie. I think they'd really like it too. (laughs) <laughs> just tell her just tell her my wife hates horror movies and and but she loves this one so your wife sat through happy death day she can sit through the oh that's true she sure. made it through happy death day i think she can make it through a quiet place that's right <laughs> that's right yeah and it has heart so that's good okay wolfman josh what is your number one horror film of 2018 i agree with everything you just said jay um and i I've heard people say that this film is a little trite and it's hard for me to disagree with that. I've heard people say it's paint by numbers. It's hard for me to disagree with that, but it rocked me to my emotional core. I think as a parent, there's nothing that has hit me so hard and so deeply as a quiet place. And <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Cause I, th- I do think it is a little bit hollow in the sense that it, it it is like that paint by numbers 
Hollywood formula screenwriting 101 type of thing. Like that is there, but the, it works so well on a primal level. It gets to the animal, like Papa bear instincts in me. Mm -hmm. And, and it works for me on that just animalistic level that like, I can't, you know, I can't argue with that. It hits me viscerally in a way that not a lot of other movies did searching got close. (laughs) Um, But yeah, nothing worked on me this way this year, like a quiet place did. And, you know, I, I, I don't know. There's so many things that are like, they're a plus, but they could also be used against the film as a negative. Like it's so beautifully shot, but it also is kind of like obviously shot. Right. Or like, it's so beautifully productions designed, but it also looks like it comes out of a catalog and everything's just a little bit too perfect. And so like, I get why people have all these complaints, but, but, if you're not cynical about it, like it's just a beautiful film to look at. It's beautifully costumed, designed. The locations are magnificent. Um, the performances are top notch all around. Excellent child actors, which is hard to do. Some of the best child acting of the year. Uh, a, a nice original story, I guess, for people who hadn't read Bird Box. Um, a, a extremely original concept. And that works, you know, as a horror concept so well. And you have the added element that Dave brought up earlier um, in his little spoiler discussion adds to that immensely because anyone who's been in the situation of being a parent, just that's an, that is an overwhelming uh, terror that, that, that instills in you the minute that that plot point is revealed. And because you know what that means, <laughs> for these characters Mm -hmm. like there's no it's that march of death like it's coming for you get ready and um yeah it's it's just uh it's an incredible film it's really well done i i've heard people say that they don't want a sequel and i get that because i think like get out last year it could just stand alone as this perfect little thing why mess with it Mm -hmm. you know by watering it down with sequels but on the other hand as a horror fan who's used to your favorite films having eight sequels. I could look forward to that as well. Like I could kind of go either way with it, you know? Uh-huh. So, um, yeah, I look forward to whatever the future does or does not bring with regard to this movie. What I know is that I already own it on Blu-ray and I watched it with it twice within the first week. I, I saw it with my movie pass and then immediately took my wife after I saw it and she loved it. Mostly she resented um <laughs> the element that we've been discussing mm-hmm. uh, just <laughs> as a parent but um right but other than that yeah it's a movie i'm going to watch over and over and over again so yeah i think it overcomes all of its perceived perceived flaws or you know the the shortcomings that could be easily mocked by just being so damn heartfelt and uh, engaging on a primal visceral level well, here's the thing. Here's what I say. Here's the thing. Let me just bust this open right here. Mm-hmm. If if um <laughs> if horror is and it usually is, horror is usually what you can't do. Like it is what your characters cannot do. Like um like for example, like on, on a very primal like at the very building block first level, um 
we can't avoid death. Death is inescapable. It, it will come to all of us because mm-hmm. we're all mortal. And so like that's, you know, the fear of death, fear of the unknown is, is at that core. So like horror is often like you can't kill Michael Myers. You can't kill Jason Voorhees. You can't escape them. You can't, you know, you can't get away from Jaws. It's always something like that. Like you can't get out of the car that Cujo's outside and you're stuck. It's always something you can't do. Well, in a quiet place, it's you can't keep your freaking kids quiet because you can't keep kids quiet. There is no way. And so, you know, in the beginning of the film, you know that when there are kids involved, the very young children, a young family, you're like, oh, this family's doomed. They're doomed because right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. it's, it's hopeless. Yeah, it's horrifying. And, it, and it's about what you can't do. But it right. also just gets to the heart of the love of a parent and um, and the difficulty of being a good parent. And even when you think you're trying to help or you're doing your best, you could still be failing on a myriad of, you know, in a myriad of ways on, a mul- on multiple levels. And I, I love all that about it as well. I think it really gets that right. Mm-hmm. What it feels like to, again... You, this idea of what you can't do, like being out of control, like not having control of that situation. And I think that is a very relatable feeling as a parent of just wanting the best for someone and wanting to give them everything you can. And just knowing that you really ultimately it's out of your hands. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and something, and something else I, you know what? I don't know if we know if we mentioned this during our initial review or maybe as an afterthought, but Millicent Simmons as the oldest daughter uh, mm-hmm. is amazing. I thought that it's just a great yeah. performance um, and playing a character who's very much like her in real life. She's, she's deaf and uh, but yet still manages to create such a, such an amazing young character. Uh, and that's another real, uh, another strength of this movie are the child actors in it. The, the, I thought both of them, uh, Millicent Simmons and I'm looking for the actor who played the, the young son here. Um, uh, Noah, I guess it's Noah Jupe. Uh, both yeah. of them, both of them were amazing, and 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 added to it. I mean, you have uh, John Krasinski and Emily Blunt. Um, you know, you you sort of expect strong performances from them, and they delivered. But these young, uh, this young, uh, these two young actors were 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 equal to it, I think, um, and and did their part to make it uh, as great as it is. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think Noah Jupe is fantastic, but I think Millicent, I think to cast a young deaf actress is such a strong choice by John Krasinski. I'm sure it was thought at like the studio level. I'm sure they wanted him to bring in some, you know, popular teen actress and for him to say, no, we're going to use an actual deaf actress, find someone who is so talented as an actress. What a great thing for the film. Mm hmm. Well, great pick, Quiet Place number one, and I love it. Yeah, I mean, between the three of us and the listeners, we all have it in the top two spots. So, without question, tremendous Absolutely. film. All right, I just want to thank everyone who um, sent in their extended you know, explanations of why they picked those films and why they love those films, and I would encourage you, all 69 of you that did that um or any of the listeners, really, right? Well, that's true, yeah. Everybody's welcome. 
but we're we're giving special treatment to those who participate. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah, write, write up your uh, number one pick and why you chose it. They're on the website at horrormoviepodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. And at this point, we are going to uh, reward one lucky listener who sent in your top 10 list. So Dave, you're you're the magic man tonight. I have a list here of the listeners. Give me a number between 1 and 69 and we will tell them who the winner is. A number between 1 and 69. Mm-hmm. Let's go with uh 23. Excellent. Okay. Michael Jordan. <laughs> Michael, <laughs> is it Michael Jordan? Yeah. All right. Um 23 is Frank Tweets. Frank Tweets is the winner of a $50 Amazon gift card. Wow. So, Frank, email me at horrormoviepodcast at gmail.com. Put, like, winner in the subject line or something and send me your address and I'll I'll mail that out to you. I have a physical gift card that I will mail to you. And if any of you think that you are the person whose personal list is closest to the overall listener list, let us know either on Twitter at horrormoviecast or via email or moviepodcast at gmail.com that you think your list is the same or close and we will cross-reference those and the person who's actually was closest of those 69 entries will win the free horror t-shirt from T Public. Mm-hmm. And one more time, that listener list is Hereditary, A Quiet Place, Halloween, Mandy, Annihilation, Revenge, The Endless, the Ritual, Summer of 84, and Terrified. There you have it. All right, now we are ready for our honorable mentions. And what we did is, <laughs> at three hours into the show, <laughs> we, what we did is we asked everyone to send their 11 through 15. Um, my co-hosts and I uh, decided that we wanted to cheat and do uh, 11, <laughs> 11 through 20. Because we can't help ourselves. I mean, it was a really good horror year. And so, um, you know, I, I actually have the listeners 11 through 20, so I can just read down through it. Do you? It, yeah, that we'll just good? read them off. And if yeah, there's anything of note, okay. we'll talk about them on ours. Yeah. Okay, here we go. So starting with 11, and, and this is like, you know, still based on the point system. This is the listeners' honorable mentions. Their number 11 was Suspiria. 12, Apostle. 13, The Strangers Pray at Night. 14, Ghost Stories. 15, Overlord. 16, The Clove Hitch Killer. 17, Unsane. 18, Upgrade. 19, Cargo. And 20 was The House That Jack Built. There you have it. Lots of great films in there. Totally. Totally. All right, Dr. Shock, give us your 11 through 20. Let's hear it. All right, my 11 through 20. The, the, some of them, the first few are not going to be much of a surprise. But anyway, number 11 for me was Hereditary. Uh, number 12 was Halloween 2018. 13 was Annihilation. Uh, number, number, number 141414 14, 14 was Mon 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 Monsters. <laughs> I'm going to hurt. I'm going to hurt you guys. <laughs> 15, a Revenge. 16, The Ritual. 17 is a movie called I Remember You, which is a supernatural film from Iceland, uh, which I thought was very interesting, sort of following two stories at once um, and then sort of tying them together at the end and did a really good job with both of them. 
18 is Ghost Stories. 19 is an interesting little movie um, from south of the, I think it was south of the border. I can't remember if it was Spain or Mexico. I think it was from Mexico called Eromentari, The Devil and the Blacksmith. Um, and number 20 was Marrowbone. Yes. Oh, Marrowbone. Nice. Yes. All right. Those are good. Those are very good. All right. Here we got, here are mine. Number 11, The Cured. Number 12, Terrified. Number 13, Marrowbone, a.k.a. The Secret of Marrowbone. Just one quick note about that one. If people haven't watched that, it is like kind of a slow burn drama horror film. But I, what, what I love most about it is it's a very interesting take, a very interesting spin on the Haunted House film. And I'll just leave it at that. Number 14, Revenge. Number 15, Possum. That one was cool. Very disturbing at the end. Another slow burn. But at the end, like the last five minutes, disturbing. 16, Apostle. 17, The Possession of Hannah Grace. I love that. 18, Hellraiser Judgment, believe it or not. 19, Cargo. And 20, this is a film Josh saw way early in the year. Um, but I watched it, and it is a real surprise. It's called Devil's Gate. And, nice. if, and if you're a fan of um, This Is Us, the guy who plays um, Jack, the dad, um, M- Milo, or is it Milo Ventimiglia? <laughs> anyway, heroes. Yeah, he, he's in. Well, I don't. I don't watch <laughs> heroes. I watch. I'm an X Men fan, but but anyways, <laughs> I'm just playing. But yeah, first, se- first season of Heroes is as good as any X Men movie. Yeah, I've I've heard that actually. But yeah, so anyway, he's in Devil's Gate, and it's pretty interesting actually. All right, Wolfman Josh, what are your 11 through 20? Well, I'd love to tell you that, Jay, but my, <laughs> I can't narrow it down that much. Uh, I'm really stoked <laughs> about my top 53. I'm looking at this list. Um, th- the best I could do is 26. <laughs> oh, so my I'm goodness. I'm going to say it very quickly. I'm sorry. This is the thing. I don't have a bunch of... Like usually I've got like three films that are like the best movies I've ever seen in my top three. And I just didn't really have that this year. But what I did have was 53 fantastic horror films. So it's just, that's what this year is. And I don't, you know, I think we should just embrace it. Okay. Um, Here's the thing. I have not really ever liked a purge movie before the first purge. I've liked him. Okay. I think I liked the second one the most, but it wasn't really a horror film. There's the, they're all right. I like the concept, but I really hadn't liked what they'd done with it. To me, the first purge is the first one that really worked for me. I'm like, yes, this is what the concept is. This is fantastic. Love the first purge. Number 11. Mm-hmm. Number 12, The Endless. Number 13, Cargo. I love that they used indigenous Australian mythology and all that is in it. Plus, the original take of the short film was fantastic. Combining those two things, great take on a zombie movie. Number 14, The Devil and Father Amorth. Uh, Jay, you turned me on to this one, and I liked it more than you even. I just thought it was uh, its a cool documentary. If you love The Exorcist, it's got a, some cool backstory on The Exorcist, first of all. But then uh, where it goes is pretty interesting okay. as a longtime horror fan. 15, The House the Jack Built. 16, The Clofitch Killer. 17, The Devil's Doorway. Uh, 18, The Appearance which is a movie that I just watched today. This was interesting. It's a um, medieval witch movie, and it follows as your primary character, a witch 
like a witchfinder general type of person, someone who's an inquisitor, and he comes to an abbey to deal with a witch problem. And he's very different than your typical inquisitors. He's like the hero of the film. He's the one who is trying to prove that this young girl is not a witch and free her from the evil, uh, you know, abitur working at the, at the Abbey. And so it's, it's an interesting film. It gets a little muddled in the middle, middle third of the, of the four parts, let's say, mm-hmm. but um, it wraps up nicely. It, it has a lot of kind of typical horror tropes as well, but I just had not heard anything about this movie. It, you can tell that it's low budget, but it pulls off medieval horror in an extremely impressive way. So I, I would recommend of any of the other films I'm talking about in my honorable mentions, people check out the appearance. Um, it's something different. It's not, it's not like mind blowing, but, I, but it's different. And it's something we don't see very often. 19 devil's gate, 20 Lizzie about Lizzie Borden. Most of it's a drama and it kind of changes the historical details we're familiar with, but it's the highest quality uh, film ever about Lizzie Borden or any kind of media about Lizzie Borden. And it goes insane at the end. Uh, <laughs> 20, the ritual. I'm oh, sorry. 21, the ritual 22, Annie of the apocalypse 23, the cured 24 apostle 25, Satan slaves 26. They remain. Wow. Okay. <laughs> nice. Good list. That's awesome. All right. It uh, was hard to narrow it down. So many good movies. Man, we, we're just lucky. We're lucky. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. We are for sure. All right. And then that brings us to the single best guilty pleasure horror movie of 2018. And the way this was def- the, defined is it, it could be one that you're sheepish to admit that you love or it's a pleasant surprise or not necessarily a good movie, but you still enjoyed it anyway. Or maybe the critics look down their nose at it, but you still found it entertaining. And I'll just say right here, uh, several horror fans who wrote in, they get really defensive about that term guilty pleasure. They don't like it. And they're like, I don't feel guilty at all about this. You know, like so anyways, so for those who are okay with the term guilty pleasure, <laughs> um, the listeners <laughs> wrote, uh, well, their number one biggest guilty pleasure was Blumhouse's Truth or Dare. Um, but a close, a very close second, one one vote off, just so you know, one point off was Puppet Master, The Littlest Reich. Just putting it out there. about that movie? Ah, yep. nice. Yep. What about you, Dr. Shock? What was your guilty pleasure? <laughs> this one is sort of a guilty pleasure, but man, I had a lot of fun with it. It is Flight 666. Hmm. And it is okay. from, like, I was going to tell you, I'll just tell you the company that produced it. Asylum. <laughs> All right. And, but okay, it's really good. A plane. It, it's about a, a cross country flight. I, th- I want to say from LA to New York, or New York to LA, but I think it's LA to New York. Um, they're stuck in a storm the entire way, and several passengers are being haunted by these. Um, uh, female ghosts and it's all building up to a mystery that somebody on board is part of um the fact that they're stuck in this storm doesn't seem to bother anybody i mean this is a storm that it seems to have enveloped the entire country also the ghosts aren't so much ghosts as they are demigods i mean they appear 20 feet tall from out of the clouds um all this sort of goofy stuff but it's creepy it has some very good scares the ghosts themselves are creepy 
and it has a mystery to it that is uh, engaging. And I was very surprised. I mean, I was expecting this to be like a bottom tier sort of movie when I went into it, but I really enjoyed Flight 666. Okay. Uh, that sounds like a little gem. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Thank you. And speaking of gems, yeah, I went with um, Puppet Master The Last Reich. I couldn't believe how much fun I had in that movie. And it's a guilty, guilty pleasure on multiple levels, right? I mean, it's... I mean, a lot of it is, uh, what's the word? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> there's a word that starts with an A that's, um, oh no, it's reprehensible. A lot of it is reprehensible. <laughs> yeah, that too. But it's, it's just, it's got a lot of reprehensible material in it, but it's like a crazy, um, gory, wild off the rails kind of movie. It really is. And, and it's, it's, it sort of surprised me. You know, when I saw it too, mm-hmm. I enjoyed it as well. Super fun. Okay, Wolfman Josh, what is your guilty pleasure movie? Would you believe I had a hard time deciding? <laughs> I do believe it. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with The Predator. I had two, but I'll I'll just, I'll keep it at one. Uh, nice. The Predator, I'm not a big fan of this genre or of this uh, franchise at all. I don't really like any of the movies in the franchise. I would say like Predator's the best of all of them, but um, they're just not my thing. I don't really dig action horror or sci-fi that much so uh but this one i thought was a blast okay throughout had a good time with it i agree with you 100 percent. it is fun okay and then uh dr shock i think it's time to do your um exciting dvd giveaway for this episode yeah um i had given away uh for people who are are new i'm giving away some of the uh, DVDs. When I get a, when I pick up Blu-rays, a lot of the more recent releases come with a DVD copy, and my new way of laying things out, it just gets in the way. So I don't need the DVDs. So I'm giving uh, those discs away. I'm putting them in these cases that I have. You're not going to get the original case. Um, it's more of like a like a wallet style carrying case that you use for CDs and stuff in your car. And I'm going to uh, send you uh, these movies in these cases. Uh, the 20, um, and I'm giving away different ones, like, and, and it's getting bigger as it goes along. The, the, I have one case that holds 20 and that went to, uh, Kyle Walton and he actually sent me back his list and, uh, I've, I'm putting that together. I'm ready to ship that out. Number two, now we're giving away 28 movies. So you don't get first crack at the list, but you still get more discs than, uh, you know, the previous giveaway. And I have all the names here. Let me go into my random. I have, uh, I go out to uh, random.org. Actually, I put all the names in and I click start and we'll see who comes out at number one. Oh, projectile varmint. Oh, she's uh, awesome. Long time uh, yes. commenter over. Yeah. Over at the site. She has won the 28 disc. So get in touch with me, send me an email and I will shoot you off the list of available titles. It's still up at 300. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, congratulations. Yeah. Congratulations. I she, she said that she hadn't commented in a while because she has a, a new baby that she's been dealing with. So yes. congratulations on both fronts. Aww. Yes, exactly. Nice. Okay. Well, that sounds good. Let's um, keep on moving then into our three biggest disappointments or heartbreaks of 2018. And just to clarify, these are the top three movies that you had high hopes for, but it just didn't quite deliver for you. They aren't necessarily bad movies. They just weren't as good as you think they should have been. 
Okay. So uh, the listeners, um, their first one has a tie. It's uh, the Predator was tied with the Meg, which made me laugh, right? Because I, I was just thinking, okay, did you guys actually have high hopes for the Meg? Like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, maybe they did. I don't know. I was hoping it was going to be better than it was. Really? I, it was, it ended up being exactly what I thought it was going to be, like, for there, me. There was one scene at the beach that I was thought the whole movie was going to be. And. Mm. Okay, I got gotcha. you. All right, and then next they put the Cloverfield Paradox, and then by by far their biggest disappointment, heartbreak of the year was The Nun. Okay, what oh, about wow. what about you, Doctor Shock? All right, my disappointments. Um, having uh, two movies from south of the border at number one and number three, I was looking forward to seeing Trauma, which I believe is also from Argentina, and when I saw it. Um, it really just disgusted me. I, I mean, I've, I love exploitation movies from the seventies. I like extreme films, but this movie just crossed several lines and it was reprehensible and disgusting. Uh, there's, there's an opening scene that is designed to give us, uh, designed to give us some sort of sympathy with the main antagonist throughout the rest of the film. Yet he does nothing through the rest of the film to make us sympathize with him. We despise him as much as we despise the character that put him through what he went through at the beginning of the movie. It's just, it's just a gross film. And I I don't recommend anybody waste their time on it. And I really was excited to see it having, you know, having seen um, uh, good manners and, and terrified and being really impressed with them. But trauma is disgusting, and don't waste your time with it. Dave, when you say stuff like that, it makes you want to watch it. We're, yes, I know. We're having I understand this that, again. But I don't think you're going to be. I, we had we had a discussion about this with a movie that I will not name, and it's not <laughs> going to be one of my disappointments um, oh. earlier where we were texting back and forth. Uh, but again, Jay, I'm going to say don't bother watching this movie. <laughs> I don't think you'll enjoy it. I really don't. Okay. okay. All right. Um, another disappointment was Hell House LLC 2, The Abaddon Hotel. Oh, that's disappointing to hear. <laughs> yes, it, it, it is. Because I really liked the first one. I, I really, it was a, a very well-made sort of found footage style film. This one follows that. But it goes too much into the found footage. Now you get people who venture into the hotel with their phones. And what's happening to them isn't as scary uh, as what happened in the first film. And it does sort of go back to that. And then it even sort of gives you an answer to everything that happened in the first film. It sort of gives you a a wrap up at the end. But it's, it's the little additions to this that really, some of them are laughable. I mean, there's one scene where this... You see a guy walking through the hotel. He can't find his way out. And that's a little bit creepy and it's kind of disturbing. But then they talk to his family who saw this footage and she goes, oh, and I heard a piano and it reminded me of a time. And then they go to this like random scene from 1993 where they're playing a game at a table. And all of a sudden in the other room, the, the you know, the, this, this same character as a kid is playing on the piano. And it, it's what happens in the scene is laughable. And it, it just goes to it. It. it I wish I hadn't watched it because it doesn't ruin the first one. I still think the first one is really strong. This one's just not nearly as good and it's, it's not worth the time. Mm. Um, and these other ones are ones that people might not have heard of, but I was really excited to see them. It's a two parter. So it's a little bit of a cheat. There's two movies. It's called corpse prison one and two. 
Um, they're based on a, a, a manga, I want to say. Uh, I'm actually looking them up now. Uh, each movie is 75 minutes long. They are um, from Japan. And it's a story about this town, this little village that the, there's no women in the village. But they actually try to get younger women to come in. And, um, uh, you know, they sort of uh, uh, abduct them. And this teacher who's studying this phenomenon about the fact that there's no women in this village, uh, he's given access to the village. You know, the village is shut off from the rest of the world. But the deal is he's got to bring several female young students with him. Uh, and you think of that and it's it, you look at the titles and you look at the posters. It sort of looks like it might be almost like an exploitation type thing. Um, part two is better than part one. Uh, again, they're both an hour and 50 minutes. So the problem is part two spends eight minutes giving flashbacks to part one and nothing in this movie really happens to, to justify, I shouldn't say justify, but nothing in the movie, nothing interesting really happens in the movie. And it was just disappointing. And it's one I was looking forward to when I saw this, I said, Oh, these are, you know, a, a two part horror film from Japan. I think this could be pretty sharp. And it, it was just such a letdown. So again, uh, not recommended. Okay. That's corpse prison part one. And Part two. Parts one and two. Neither one are worth seeing. Right. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Thanks, Dave. Uh, for me, my uh, three biggest disappointments were um, the Nun, actually, and and it, it's not a it's not a bad film. I mean, I I liked it okay, but just from that trailer, I felt like the trailer was really scary, and the trailer got me a lot. And I was, ex- I mean, I think that um, the Conjuring uh, two with that with that character in it is is really freaky and so i was like i had pretty high hopes and it just wasn't quite what i was looking for uh number two would be the endless i'm sorry to say like (laughs) so i saw resolution and and that movie was not my cup of tea at all but but the premise of this sounded so good and everybody was telling me to approach it with caution because of my sensibilities and i know a lot of people love this film and i can see um, why and where you would admire it, but I just, it, it's just not my kind of thing. So anyway, that was disappointing because yeah, when you read the premise of this, it sounds like exactly, um, kind of like what I would be looking for. Or at least one of the premises I've read in the past made me really want to see it. And then finally, uh, my biggest disappointment was, um, the devil and father Amort because, um, Really? Yeah, I just, I really thought that that was going to be some hardcore stuff. I mean, I thought it was going to really freak me out. And it's not that the content, it's not that what he showed me in the film wasn't like sufficiently like intriguing or freaky, but it, it's some of the ways that I, that I feel um, William Freakin like dodged and, and tried to sidestep you know, I don't think he got what he needed for the film. And so I think it's very evident at the ways he was trying to, like, avoid that fact. And and, and I just felt like, it's like, bro, you know how they tell writers, you know, if something isn't quite done, you know, keep rewriting, keep working on it. I just, I wish he would have kept working on it. <laughs> so, so anyway, one quick I'm question. surprised by all of your biggest disappointment so that's interesting that's fun yeah well josh i had a question for you about it since you saw it um 
So when she speaks in that voice, what do you make of that? Yeah, it sounds like it's done in post, huh? Yeah, but I mean, do you do you think? I mean, can people talk like that? <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, I've heard tapes from the Warrens that um, I think I think it was the Warrens. It was from that case that Conjuring Two is based on. That were equally disturbing, but mm-hmm. here's my thing: I don't believe in, I don't believe in it. So I, I, I guess I wasn't let down because oh, it's what I expected more. Okay, I got. <laughs> I, mean? I, wasn't, I wasn't expecting to see a real exorcism tape. Like, oh, okay. Well, <laughs> you well, know what I mean. Like, well, I just. I see. I was. I I do believe yeah. in that. I mean, I don't to see like cast into some pigs and they run into us. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, Mark chapter five. Better. That would have been better. <laughs> of course, of course. But yeah. So, anyways, that that was mine. And what about you, Josh? What were your biggest disappointments? I just want to say I'm surprised everyone was so hard on the nun. I mean, it's uh, it's my number fifty, so it's not like high on my list. But I wasn't disappointed that much. By it. Um. My three biggest disappointments were Summer of 84, The Ranger, and Strangers Pray at Night. What? <laughs> no, I, no, I do want to say I, it's not what the, what you set up at the beginning, which is they're not what they should have been. I don't have any you know tips for the directors of what it should have been. Right. I just, you know, they're not, they weren't what I was hoping for. So Okay. So did you want it to be more like the first film? Yeah, I just don't think it uh, worked. I mean, I, I really liked the swimming pool scene, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't think it captured anything that was good about the first movie. Okay. Josh's picks, and now let's move into the three most overrated horror movies of 2018. Now, I've grown to not actually love this category. I don't really like it very much anymore because because it, it, it's the category where everybody else seems to love and praise this but for whatever reason, you just didn't get all the hype or all the love. It just wasn't your thing. And so uh, the listeners most overrated. Um, the first one was a tie between Annihilation and Halloween. And then the second one was a tie between Hereditary and A Quiet Place. And you're seeing now why I'm not liking this as much. Because, of course, all these things made the listeners <laughs> list. So, so it's kind of irritating. And then... But by far, by far, um, there was a clear-cut, most overrated film for the listeners, and that was Mandy. Man, Mandy. Hmm. Yep, yep. So there you go. Uh, Dave, what were your most uh, overrated? I got to be honest. I have nothing here um, because of the same thing you're saying. I didn't have any movies this year where I went in and thinking, oh, well, that didn't quite match what I was hoping it would be. Other than the disappointments, um, I couldn't I couldn't really come up with anything, you know, that 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 I was that I thought was way overrated. I, I really didn't. A lot of the stuff that I thought was was getting the hype, I thought deserved it. So I and it's I, like you, Jayus, is not my favorite category either. Um, so I didn't have I don't have any. OK, well, I do because I'm a jerk. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, uh, for me, um Mandy, I don't get all the love for that one. I mean, I understand why it's beautiful filmmaking, but I don't love it. Um, the Endless, I'm sorry. I know a lot of people love that, and I just, it's not for me. And then Cam, I heard I heard so much praise about Cam, and I just don't, I don't get that either. So that that's where I didn't get it. 
Uh, what about you, Josh? So you, you, that didn't show up on anyone's list. I'm actually shocked. That's the one I'm most surprised didn't make any lists because I just seen other lists on the internet. It's made all the lists that I've seen so far. Yeah, let me let me just tell you about that here. I got um, it was let's see, 21, 22, 23, 24. It was the listener's 24th pick down, and it was actually tied with Mom and Dad. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah, it got... It's fun hearing that, that title, too. Yeah, it's fun to... There, there are other titles we haven't heard about, I guess. <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah, that's that's where that one was. Okay, what, what are your uh, most overrated? I don't really have any either. I mean... You guys are so diplomatic. You just don't want to offend anybody. No, That's I nice. just don't have. I don't have anything like yeah, that. I don't I, either. There's there was nothing I heard overhyped that I watched and said, "Boy, that didn't deserve the hype." Uh, I mean, I would say really a Quiet Place is probably the most overrated in terms of my, but it's my number one. So I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> right? I know it's weird. Right? That that happens. Like, yeah, I know what you mean. Okay, fair enough. All right. So because of so with this next category, just so everybody knows, we used to do, it used to be called the worst damn horror movie of 2018, right? But we live in such a sensitive world, and um, plus I don't like to, um, you know, this is people's life work, they invest a lot, so I don't want to be so dismissive and malicious, but I do think it's fair to be able to say you didn't like a film. I mean, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. So I, I thought maybe a more pleasant way to say this would be your personal least favorite horror movie experience of 2018. <laughs> so that, that that's what I call it. So the listeners um, said Slender Man. And, and uh, what did you say, Dr. Shock? Reminds a movie most people will never have heard of. Um... It's called Soft Matter. It looks like it was made for about a dollar thirty-five, <laughs> and that's not, and in itself is not enough to make a movie bad. Sometimes a dollar thirty-five is all you need to make a good movie. But I dare anybody to watch Soft Matter. It's streaming. I think it's an Amazon Prime film. Check it out and let me know what the hell's going on because I couldn't figure it out. <laughs> it's it's a it's a horror comedy that the comedy is horrific and the horror is hilarious. So, yeah, I, and that's all I got to say. I've wasted too much time on soft matter. Okay, <laughs> That's amazing. All right. For me, and I'm sorry, everybody, but it was my least favorite horror movie going experience this year was Suspiria 2018. I did not enjoy myself in that in that film at all. Okay, what about you, Wolfman Josh? Uh, nothing for you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know I gave a couple of movies ones, so if you can remember what those are, those were probably the <laughs> my least favorite, but I don't even remember what they were. So, mm-hmm. okay, all right. I wasn't I wasn't mad at any movies this year. <laughs> right, right. That's that's good. So now we're going to do our uh, our horror PSAs. These are the non-horror films of 2018, but that we think would be notable to horror fans because they're horror adjacent or perhaps of interest. I mean, some people might classify them as horror, but at any rate, it's um, films that you think other horror fans would enjoy. And so the listeners had on this list, they had Upgrade, Searching, You Were Never Really Here, the Night Comes for Us, 
Hold the Dark, Thoroughbreds, Venom, First Reformed, and and there was only one vote for this one, but I had to list it because honestly, I was so shocked at how much I liked this animated film, Hotel Transylvania 3, Summer Vacation. I mean, I was hating everything about that film. <laughs> When I saw the trailer and the title and everything, yeah, you were hating it. You were hating on it online. I, yeah, I was so we're going tropical. I was so jerky about it, but then my kids <laughs> got it from Redbox, and it is it is remarkably entertaining for those who love monsters and such. It's pretty fun. I think the second one's the best one of those three, but yeah, they're good. Those are fun movies. Yeah, yeah. If you have kids, you have to sit through that kind of stuff. Like, there are way worse things I sit through all the time. That's right. Exactly. You guys are 90% of Netflix's children's menu is unbearable. (laughs) When my kids were young, I had to sit through Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh! and all that other fun stuff. Mm, you know, yikes! Oof, I saw the Yu-Gi-Oh movie. I swear to God, that can't be a possible. If that if that's a real game, it's the rule book is the Bible and Gone with the Wind combined because there's so many different moves. I couldn't figure it out. It was it was giving me a headache. <laughs> that sounds rough. <laughs> oh, okay, it was Dave. rough. It was rough. So, what are your um, PSAs? All right. Um, the first two I'm going to mention are Netflix films. The first one is Tau. T A U. It's a science fiction movie. Uh, I just saw it today. Um, a little bit hokey in the relationship. What it is is this woman. She plays a um, almost like a like a uh, I guess a, a prostitute, uh, but she's using it more for stealing than for like making money. But she's kidnapped by this billionaire who's trying to um, you know get people who aren't going to be missed. Um, to feed his new AI program. He's sort of put a chip in their brain and he's, he's feeding their experiences into his AI to make it the best on the market and make uh, several more billion dollars for his company. Uh, and he keeps them in his you know lavish mansion in the middle of nowhere. Uh, but this girl is a fighter and she ends up sort of relating to the AI while this guy's off at work She's talking to the AI and trying to figure a way out and seeing if the AI, um, well, not the AI, I'm sorry, but the, the, um, the system that runs this guy's household named Tao could help her escape, even though it's very dedicated to its creator. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting, again, a little hokey between when you get to the relationship that develops between the AI and, and the girl a couple of times, it's kind of like, okay, it's a little schmaltzy, but the idea and the technology I thought were really cool. And um, I think it's one that, that horror fans would like, um, you know, just from, from where the story eventually goes. And the other Netflix movie is one called extinction. By the way, real quick. Andred ag- agrees with you on towel. That was oh, on really? Andred's PSA and the mad citologist agrees with you. Nice. Um, so in awesome. And there you have it. And one had a different opinion, but, that's okay. He usually uh, does. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes. so, go and ahead. I can, I, can, I can see why. I can see some people not thinking this movie is the greatest, but um, there are things about it that I really enjoyed. Um, also, I have Extinction, a Netflix mo- movie starring Michael Pena, who I always think of, you know, from the Ant-Man series <laughs> mm-hmm. um, as sort of the sidekick <laughs> there. Um, he's been in a lot of other things, obviously, but that's just what I think of. Uh, this so is a... This is a science fiction film 
um, you know, set in the near future, and there is an invasion going on uh, where these, um, you know, the the citizens of this town are being wiped out by this uh, by this alien force, and um, you know, this 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 man and his wife are trying to save their two daughters, but it's just very interesting where the story goes. I thought it was fascinating. Um, mm-hmm. Number another. Jason uh-huh. Taylor from the UK agrees that had that in his honorable mentions. Go ahead. Oh, nice. Uh, this next one is more of a family drama. It is listed in some circles, and this is one that um, Jody had on his list as a horror movie. It's called The Keeping Hours. It's more of a family drama um, that has a. F- it does have a few uh, scary moments in it, but what I really liked about this is where they went with the supernatural elements. I've never seen a ghost handled the way it's handled in this movie. Um, and that to me, I thought made it very interesting, but it is more of a, a more of a family drama than it is a, a horror film. Uh, number two for me is cold hell. Now this is just a sharp little movie. It's an action. Oh, I forgot about that one. I love that movie. Yeah. That's, it's almost like an, uh, more action than horror, but it's, it's about a woman. She's, she's um, a cab driver. She inadvertently witnesses a murderer. Uh, happening sort of across the alley and uh then is sort of running for her life but there's more to this character this is such a strong character uh main character in this film this this cab driver um uh she's a muslim and the killer it's it's sort of set in that world but i think it's set in germany um but it's it's really riveting i mean from start to finish this is just a a great movie and, and again it's dealing Fantastic. with a serial killer um but it's just it's this character at the center of it that i think drives everything and she develops this relationship with this police with this with this detective who's investigating the murders um and then it just gets really dark um toward well it's dark throughout but then at the end it gets really really dark but it also gets more actiony toward the end i would say it does mm-hmm. yes it does it does get a, there's a lot more action towards the end um and then number one for me, again, this is more of a drama than it is horror, but I've seen like like mainstream reviewers calling this a horror film, and it's The Little uh, the little Children. Is that what it's called? No, The Little Stranger. The Little Stranger. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, a few horror elements in it, but it's about this guy who, um, as a kid, he became enamored with this, with this mansion that this, this well-to-do family set in England was living in. And he sort of uh, becomes a doctor in the town later on. And now the house has fallen, you know, the family in this house has fallen on hard times, but he sort of finds himself wrapped up with them, but he's still just as enamored with this locale as he was as a kid. And it ex- expands on that. It's set, I want to say in the 1950s, it's either the forties or the fifties. So it is sort of a period piece excellent movie it really is um and does have a few horror elements in it um not nearly enough for me to call it a horror movie uh, like some people have but just a really strong movie nonetheless yes a silent mike deadly mike agrees with you (laughs) and uh, as does um amanda w from austin likes the little stranger nice okay all right um love ruth wilson in that she's great she's so great 
Okay, thanks, Dave. Good picks. And for me, I'm just going to say real quick, The Night Comes for Us, martial arts film, mega violent, gory, convincing, incredible. I loved it. Horror fans will dig it. Um, and, and by the way, all these things I'm going to mention are things that you all had on some of your lists. So some people consider these horror. For me, for most of them, they could go either way. Honestly, I could see the argument. But for me, I'm just, you know, they're PSAs. Upgrade course amazing uh caliber caliber is one of the best films of the year period this is streaming on netflix it is in my top 10 over at mpw it is a must see um these couple of buddies are um traveling abroad they um are involved in a hunting accident and they try to escape their awful predicament (laughs) i love it and then you have the clove hitch killer also made my top 10 on um, MPW, and then we have Annihilation, which is fantastic. Okay, um, Wolfman Josh, what were your... Oh, you're saying Annihilation and Clovitch are not horror movies? Well, like I said, it could, go, it could go either okay. way. I, I'm putting them in the PSA category, no, no. personally. I, just, I was just double-checking that's what we're still on. <laughs> right, right. What are, what are um, your PSAs? So I already had a tie at number five because I couldn't choose between Braven and you were never really here. Um, but then Dave reminded me of one I'd forgotten about. So I had to do another tie at number four for before I wake in cold hell. Um, number three is hold the dark. Number two is the chase. Now, when you read my list on horror movie or movie podcast weekly, a lot of people were confused about which the chase it is. This is the easiest way to find this. If you can't find it is Google the chase korean imdb and it will bring up a film called bandu si jab nyuenda <laughs> terrible <laughs> pronunciation original title the and the english title is the chase it's a south korean film released in south korea in 2017 released in the united states in 2018 directed by kim hong Sien, and it is about a guy who runs a crappy apartment complex he's kind of a slumlord and takes advantage of his tenants is kind of a jerk. And then uh, all of a sudden his tenants start disappearing one by one. And he teams up with uh, a police officer, an ex detective, I guess, um, to hunt down the serial killer that's taking people out. I loved it. It's one of my favorite movies of the year. Um, Want to make sure people check that out. If they like Korean serial killer movies. Um, and the burning or sorry, just burning is my number one, which is another South Korean film. So by the that way. one, I actually watched on the run up to the show tonight. So nice. I watched like eight movies today <laughs> or six movies today. <laughs> and the last two were thrillers. And I was like, dang it. I, I really wanted to, you know, find something for my list. But mm-hmm. Ultimately, yeah. <laughs> uh, hold the dark and burning made it on my, uh, PSA horror adjacent list. I got to back you on, um, yeah, Hold the Dark and You Were Never Really Here. Uh, amazing movies. Hold the Dark, I mean, that's um, the same director as Green Room and Blue, Blue Ruin, yes. And then... Yeah, that's, uh, that's why I wanted it on my list. <laughs> for sure. And, and Josh, Braven, I love that movie, actually. I, I did too. I'm a big defender of that movie, and I don't know why... People give it a hard time. It's good. People should watch it. Jason Momoa. I don't, awesome. I don't know why it needs defending. It is like, it's more of an Same. action. I mean, it's like a big, dumb, I guess it's like the kind of movie that hasn't really happened since the 80s when we had yeah. action stars who were 
big, strong guys. But if, you know, it's like what commando would be if it was made today or something. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I, and I dig it a lot. I think it's yeah. fun. All right. So there you go. And then, um, we get down to a section that Dino suggested that we do, and that is the top 10 favorite horror scenes of 2018. So I'll read what he says here. He says, I really hope you guys have uh, time tonight to talk about some of your favorite scenes of the year. I was actually talking to Josh about it, and he said it would be a great idea for William to do at the end of his year for Movie Moments podcast. I think that is a great idea, and I was thinking we could even do it as a Movie Podcast Network special features episode is have people from each podcast come on and give their favorite moments from their genre or whatever. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, let's do That'd that. That'd be fun. Mm-hmm. I like it. So he, he said, I think it would be a lot of fun to do something like that. Could have guests on from the network shows and all the different genres. So anyways, here are uh, Dino's favorites. And I guess I'll start with number 10. And by the way, yeah, it looks like he's being careful about spoilers in this. So, so number 10 is, the first time inside room 402 in Ganjim Haunted Asylum. Number nine, something's in the wall and terrified. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Number eight, the black skulls are summoned by the horn of Abraxas and Mandy. Yes. Most, That's awesome. <laughs> most yeah. scenes from Mandy could be on this list, though. All um, three all three of those are great. <laughs> and seven, the final... Okay, I'm, I'm not going to mention this, but it the basically the end of um annihilation that creepy aspect and then he says six the final showdown and revenge number five the beginning of the zombie apocalypse slash musical scene and anna and the apocalypse number four mommy's hiding in the corner and hereditary oh yes number oh no 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 <laughs> number number three the pool scene in the strangers pray at night agreed and number two, the bus massacre and mon 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 monsters. And then um, number one <laughs> is the the death of the dance of death slash human pretzel in Suspiria. <laughs> so nice. Um. Okay, Doc Shock. Do you have a list of those? I certainly do. All right, number one. Or I'm sorry, going from ten to number one. Number ten is uh, the uh, ending showdown in a movie called Apartment 212. Uh, I sent you guys a a text about this one, I think. Most of the movie is sort of meh. You know, it's it's not... uh, It's about a woman coming out of uh, an abusive relationship who moves into an apartment complex uh, to sort of start over. Um, And things that happened in this complex previously... But she starts to experience, she wakes up in the morning and she has these sores on her body and she's not sure what it is. She goes to a doctor and the doctor says, well, it looks like they're bites. So she thinks maybe it's bug beds, maybe it's rats. Uh, But it turns out to be (laughs) something very different. A couple interesting things about the movie is it stars, uh, co-stars Kyle Gass, you know, one half of the Tenacious D uh, as a very concerned neighbor and Sally Kirkland as the... Uh, probably the worst landlord in the history of apartment complexes. But what the ending of this movie is, and it's and Jay, I think you'd like it. It's, it's a beastly freak. There's this, this 10 minute window in this film that is so intense and so well done um, that it blew me away. And it's sort of in the middle of this movie. That's not terrible, but not great. But then that 10 minute sequence is just amazing. 
Um, and it's just one solid, um, you know, one solid moment. So that's my number 10 What's... Uh, from Apartment 212. Okay, Apartment 212. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, number nine. This is a little different. Every scene with Corey Feldman in Corbin Nash. Corbin yes. Nash. that And Corey Feldman, he plays a transsexual vampire named Queenie. And he, I did not know it was Corey Feldman until the ending credits. This has oh, a lot right. of cool... Has a lot of cool cameos in it. Now, you, now that I know, I it's obvious. It's obvious it was Corey Feldman, but I didn't realize it because I didn't really know anything about the movie going into it. And it has you have uh, Rutger Hauer makes a cameo, and Malcolm McDowell plays a small role in it. And I'm almost positive there's a picture of a guy in a baseball uniform that looked like Mickey Rourke. It's not mentioned in the credits, but I, I and I have to go back and watch it again. But I think it was him. But Every single scene Corey Feldman is in in Corbin Nash is amazing. And he's a despicable character, but it's just, it's an over the top performance that fits the character perfectly. It's really, really strong. And, and I, I loved every moment that he was in. Uh, number eight for me is the pool scene in strangers pray at night. Yeah. Um, I'll never, I'll never hear mm-hmm. um, total eclipse of the heart the same again. For me, I always thought of, when I was a kid, I slept over at my friend's house. I saw the video for the first time on MTV. That's what I always thought of when I heard that song. Now I'm going to think of something different. Right. I always think of Urban Legend. So. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. Uh, Journey into the Netherworld in this movie called The Third Eye. And I want to see what country this is from. Um, it's an Asian film. And it's about, um, you know, this, this uh, older sister is left to care for her younger sister. It is uh, from Indonesia, actually. It's an Indonesian horror film, another oh, one. Big year. Yeah, it was. Um, she's left to care for her younger sister, who all her life has been talking about seeing people who are scaring her and waking her up at night and sort of tormenting her, especially in their house. Well, this older sister is like, well, I don't believe it. So they go to this medium who talks about the third eye, which is like the sixth sense, people who can sense ghosts. So the older sister's like, okay, fine. Can you open my third eye so I can see if she's telling the truth or not? Well, let's just say it happens and some really, really creepy things start to happen throughout the movie to both of these sisters from that point on. Um, and it, it ends with this sort of walk. Uh, it ends, it sort of wraps up with, um, you know, as, as I mentioned, this this journey into, into a, this netherworld region that that is kind of inventive and, and really just scary um number six is the um J- josh i think you'll appreciate this, the parking lot sequence in all the creatures were stirring yes i really like that yep. uh number f- number five the birth scene in good manners which i yes. thought was a strong scene um the opening devastating sequence set at the house and in incidents in a ghost land mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh the uh, the car uh, pole scene from Hereditary. <laughs> uh, Laurie Strode searching the upstairs in Halloween 2018. Mm. And discovering, uh, well, this is a slight spoiler. So if you want to cover your seconds for, cover your ears for a few seconds. For discovering the uh, Quiet Place. Okay. Uh, discovering the creature's weakness. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love that scene. That's my number one of the year. Oh, wow. Okay. Excellent. Thanks, Dave. Here are mine. I, I kind of threw these together at, um, you know, last minute. So sorry, this isn't, 
this is not necessarily a definitive, but number 10, um, terrified. Um, someone standing over my bed watching me sleep. Oh my goodness. <laughs> number, number nine, um, in Bird Box, in the beginning when the sister says, what the hell is that? You know, she sees something right in that right. moment. That sequence is horrifying. Number eight is um, the Nicolas Cage bathroom scene and Mandy. That is insane. <laughs> I'll never forget that. Number seven, um, in Satan's Slaves, the uh, bedroom jump scare scene redo. That whole sequence is crazy. Number six, Annihilation, the bear attack scene. Uh, number five, everybody said it. Strangers Pray at Night, the pool scene. Number four, the Halloween tw 2018, the bathroom scene. Um, wow, that's brutal. Uh, number three, Ravenous. In Ravenous, there is a tremendous shotgun blast to the head that, that is on the level of the one in Maniac. Boom. Wow, it's true. It's great. And number two, um, the bridge scene at the beginning of A Quiet Place. And then number one, of course, for me. No question about it. The greatest horror scene of 2018 is the hereditary car pole scene. <laughs> so, all right. Those are mine. What are yours, Wolfman Josh? I couldn't do it. I didn't have the brain bandwidth to come up with them. I, I mean, I, I agree with most of the ones that you and Dave and Dino said, they would have been many of the ones on my list. And, uh, okay. Like, as I said, there's like three in revenge and three in annihilation, definitely the pool scene and strangers pray at night. Mm -hmm. Um, if I had to pick one, honestly, it's the branding scene in revenge that I just love the way that that's done. I know it's, um, yeah. some people think it's the worst thing about the movie. I, absolutely loved it i like it too i'm with you on that all right and then i think finally in this episode we're gonna just briefly um talk about the most anticipated horror movies of 2019 things you're really looking forward to i counted up um the listeners biggest most looking forward to and and by far what the listeners are looking forward to most is it chapter two and then second would be Jordan Peele's Us. That trailer is incredible. I love it. I'm so pumped about that. Um, their third is Pet Cemetery, 2019. And then um, their fourth is Brightburn, which I love the premise of that. The premise is amazing. Did, are you guys familiar with that premise of Brightburn? Mm, don't think so. I don't think so. What no. What if Superman were evil and nefarious? He, like, what if, what if this being came to Earth, but ended up being much more sinister? Now, I we'd, I, we'd be screwed. Yeah, I, I put the Superman <laughs> thing in there. That's what it reminds me of. Is if Superman were evil, basically. But I don't know if it's going to be along those level. But anyway, it's kind of interesting. And then next is Glass. Next is a tie between. The New Mutants and Happy Death Day to you. <laughs> and we did, yeah, we did have one listener that was like vehemently upset about Happy Death Day sequel coming. Um, and then we have a uh, Midsummer, which a lot of people are looking forward to. And then, of course, Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Heck yeah, yeah, yeah that'll be a good one. Pumped. Um, what about you, Dave? What do you got? 
Actually, I have um, two on my list, but there's something else that I, I wanted to say, and the two are um, It Chapter 2 and Glass. I'm really looking forward to those two movies. But one of the things that I, I like about the last few years is just how, and if you look at our list this year and even in previous years, how there is a good number of movies that are just off the radar at this point of the year, at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really anticipating what, 2019 holds when you look at what 2018 held and what 2017 held i mean you look at our list my top two of my top or three of my top four i didn't even know existed at this point last year right and i think that's the same for a lot of us it's just that those are the interesting finds you know throughout the year not so much the movies that are coming from the studios although it chapter two is definitely up there for me and last year we had halloween and suspiria that we kind of knew that we knew were coming and, and, you know, delivered, in uh, in a, in a uh, well, I didn't see Suspiria, but Halloween delivered, but I'm really anticipating what does the indie scene hold? What is going to be revealed at the, um, you know, the, uh, the festivals over the next few months as the must see horror movies of 2019. That's really where, that's where my excitement lies are in the mm-hmm. titles that we know nothing about at this point. And I can't wait to see what it, what is going to be revealed. Mm-hmm. Me too. Me too, Dave. All right. Thank you. Um, and, and for me, I, you know, it's basically Jordan Peele's Us and Pet Cemetery. I agree with those. Those are right now what I'm looking forward to the most. Um, what about you, Josh? Um, you know, one thing we haven't talked about at all tonight is horror television of 2018. And, uh, you know, the haunting of Hill house would have been my number three. If I were including television series on my list, the chilling adventures of Sabrina likely would have made my top 10, uh, Wellington paranormal would have likely made my top 10 or at least in my honorable mentions. And so I'm looking forward to more great horror television uh, I'm looking forward to the second season of the Chilean adventures of Sabrina, which I thought was fantastic. I'm looking forward to Wellington paranormal being officially released in the United States. So I don't have to just catch episodes randomly on VPN. <laughs> and uh, I'm looking forward to the new season of stranger things comes out on the 4th of July. So there's a lot of great horror TV coming up in addition to what Dave mentioned. Um, we'll be covering the Sundance film festival a little bit more in depth this year. We've tried to offer a little bit of coverage over the last few years, mostly via our good friend of the show, Kagan Breitenbach. But if, yeah, if you look back on our coverage from last year, we had, you know, me and Kagan reviewed summer of 84 hereditary searching. Um, we talked about revenge and Mandy. Those were all at Sundance last year. So nice. Yeah. Dave's right. There's going to be a lot of good stuff this year and I'm looking (laughs) forward to seeing what that is. Yes. So as we're recording this right now, it is currently 3.15 a.m. in the morning for Dr. Shock. And so we're going to wrap up here. But but Josh, before we wrap up, would you mind just briefly teasing our related show to this one, which is very similar, which is the our horror cinema awards episode. And then also, if you don't mind tease what we're going to be releasing next. Yeah. So coming up next, we're going to do another Frankensteining episode to give you a whole bevy of reviews from all of these movies. We've been 
working on catching up with from 2018. We've all seen like 20 more movies since last episode. So <laughs> um, we'll be giving you reviews of some of those that we haven't covered in depth on the show. And then soon after we'll be doing our winter with Stephen King part two, in which we'll be reviewing Dreamcatcher as well as storm of the century. So I'm looking forward to both of those a great deal. Also coming up before the Academy Awards, we'll be doing our horror cinema awards. And so uh, the first year we did it, some people like Red Cap Jack, a detractor, I remember said, yeah, this is the same as your top 10 show. Actually, it's not because it, mm-hmm. it's going to be covering things like best cinematography, best first feature, breakout horror role, best horror ensemble. And we do our horror movie podcast specialty awards as well, like Best Beastly Freak and Best Horror in the Daylight. So we do a lot of fun categories. We have jurors from across the horror community, from horror filmmakers, horror journalists, horror academics. And we even include our horror movie podcast listeners of the year in that as well, who I don't know when we should announce that. Probably this show, but we'll do it sometime before the horror cinema awards and let you know which people we've selected this year to take part on the jury for the horror cinema awards, but lots of fun stuff coming up soon on horror movie podcast. And before we go, we are going to give away our Joe Bob Briggs monster vision t-shirt from fright rags. Yes. Super excited about thanks again to fright rags for donating that to our listenership. And we are going to go through those who retweeted that tweet and randomly select a winner. You had to follow Horror Movie Podcast on Twitter, follow Fright Rags on Twitter, and retweet the official tweet. And the winner is Dark Mark, our old friend. So, Dark Mark, thank you for retweet and we uh we have long appreciated you in our community dark mark was at the very first meetup event you guys did in indiana Mm -hmm. one of the few that made it out to that so came to the one in utah also it was good to meet him good to meet him there and i should give him a support and and when i i gave uh jody horror guy you know the for the list he put together it was dark mark who posted it under that halloween i'm not sure if i mentioned that or not but in case i didn't dark mark gets an assist on that one for because he's the one who sort of pointed me in the direction of that list that's right yes well congratulations mark and thank you again to fright rags for sponsoring this episode and giving us that t-shirt to give away both this episode and last episode where they donated the silent night deadly night Two t-shirt that's right fright rags is dedicated to bringing you some kick-ass horror shirts backed by the best possible service you get 10 percent off your next purchase at FrightRags.com by using coupon code horror freak 10 that's horror freak one zero at checkout Coupon code expires February 28th, 2019. So you just go to fright-rags.com and use coupon code HORRORFREAK and the number 10, one zero. That's all one word. And you get 10% off the coolest horror t-shirts around, including the Joe Bob Briggs shirt that we gave away tonight. We'd also like to thank T Public for donating the Horror Icon Scooby Gang t-shirt giveaway that we will be finishing up with in the next episode mm-hmm. and lastly we have a brand new horror movie podcast t-shirt thanks again to listener of the show friend of the show armored foe who uh, is an artist and and just comes up with these awesome designs we want to thank him mm-hmm. his latest design that he's made for us is 
a horror movie podcast t-shirt based on the old, you know, the horror stickers that you see on uh, VHS tapes in the old days mm-hmm. that denote that something was horror movie. It's that, it's that horror movie podcast green, which is perfect. Um, <laughs> so and cool. it, it just looks like one of those labels. It says horror movie podcast. Nice. We're going to give away one of those t-shirts as well. Those are available at our teespring shop. That's teespring.com slash store slash horror movie cast. And we are just going to give that to one of our most recent reviews on iTunes. And we'll just spin the wheel here. And we had one from December 30th, Ash to Ashes. Mm, nice. It says, I just started listening to this amazing show several months ago, and I became instantly hooked. Every day at work, I have to listen to an episode or two. The longer the episode, the better. I always <laughs> make sure to have paper and a pen to write down the movie titles you guys mentioned guys on the shows are awesome and i love how each of them have their own unique touch to the show i know i mentioned this to y'all on twitter oh this is ash to ash on twitter of course mm-hmm. but this show gave me the inspiration to be part of the podcast world so hmp will always have a special place in my heart thank you thank you thank you p.s i'm down for pig-headed horror yes. jay is on to something y'all ash <laughs> to ashes well i was with you until that part <laughs> ash now <laughs> You have a new enemy. I love it. <laughs> I love Thank it. Thank you, Ash. Uh, get in touch with us. We'll send you this horror movie podcast t-shirt designed by our good friend Armored Foe. Make sure you check out Armored Foe's work. You'll find him on Twitter and Instagram at Armored Foe, and he's a very talented artist. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that just about wraps up episode 165 of Horror Movie Podcast, our top 10 horror movies of 2018. We hope you had a good time and I hope you enjoyed this show. So, uh, Dr. Shock, before you go to bed, (laughs) we let the listeners know where they can catch up with more of your work on the internet. Absolutely. At DVDinfatuation.com, at DVDinfatuation at Twitter, Facebook and Instagram as well. And um, other podcasts, uh, the uh, We Deal in Lead podcast, the Universal Monsters, uh, which will be re-emerging in 2019, and the Land of the Creeps with Greg Amortis, Haddonfield Hatchet, Jesse Robbins, and Justin Beam. Okay, thank you. And what about you, Wolfman Josh? You can find me on social media at Icarus Arts. I'm on Letterboxd, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and I would love to connect with you. And as Dave said, Universal Monsters cast is coming back in 2019. We're going to finish up the long-awaited end of Season 1, our mummy coverage, and then jump right into Season 2. So it should be a lot of fun over there. And lastly, I would just say, guys, please check out our t-shirt shop at teespring.com slash stores slash horror movie cast. We've got the aforementioned new Armored Foe horror label t-shirt. It comes in two different styles. He's got like the clean label and then one that's like peeling off like a worn label. Kind of fun. Also, you can support us on Patreon for just $250 and you get access to all the bonus content. There were some fun episodes in December and I anticipate a lot of fun new episodes in the new year. And as for me, if you like this top 10 movies of 2018 show, we got one just like it. Well, it's much like it, but a lot sillier and it's not really horror focused it's all genres of new stuff that was in theaters or on vod in 2018 you can hear our top 10 show over at moviepodcastweekly.com and uh it's a really good time it's like i said silly anyways 
We love your comments, so get involved in the Horror Movie Podcast community. You can leave a comment in the show notes, or you can email us at horrormoviepodcast at gmail.com, or leave us a voicemail at 801-382-8789. You can find all of our episodes, including our back archives of the weekly Horror Movie Podcast and Horror Metropolis at our website, horrormoviepodcast.com. You can subscribe free in iTunes or Apple Podcasts, as it's called. And um, you can follow us on Twitter at HorrorMovieCast. I want to thank Fred Ingram for the use of his music for our Horror Movie Podcast theme song. You can find more of Fred's music at FrederickIngram.com. And we also want to thank Kagan Breitenbach for his classical orchestration of Fred's original theme. You can find more of Kagan's work at kaganbrightenbach.com. They'll be linked in the show notes. And I think that's it for episode 165. Happy New Year. We thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us again Friday after next for Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. I think uh, that will be have to be known as the episode... Uh... Never mind, I've had too much beer. Please cut this out. I, I don't know. I had something to say, and I don't know what the hell it is now. That's super it. funny. Just like last episode, Dave, we need to cut you off at two backwoods bastards. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> number five. Actually, real quick, Jay, what was your number six? I had to run to the bathroom. I had backwoods bastard coming out my ears. Uh, so I had to like leave real quick. I guess we'll just wait for Doc to get back, because he's next. <laughs> All right, the bastards have left the building. <laughs> so I'm, I'm good to go now. <laughs> 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 <laughs>